in the near future, mankind will discover something that will change him forever. An ancient portal system to millions of worlds. Built by a civilization of advanced alien beings, now lost to the ravages of an interdimensional war, you will venture forth into the fringes of space and time to find alternate Earths and alien worlds, where he will find a wondrous bounty of knowledge as to who he was and what he might become. He will also find danger at every turn as he encounters hostile societies, alien beings, and the insidious Miller. Fringeworthy, the tabletop game of interdimensional adventure is now available for a D20 system and coming soon to Savage Worlds. Action and adventure await you as you explore through the interdimensional fringes of space to an infinite number of new worlds. Your characters will face danger and excitement around every corner. Sail with Blackbeard on the Seven Seas. Journey to a steampunk Victorian age. Fight the Soviets in an 80s America that lost the Cold War. Travel to an alternate future and witness a supernova from the bridge of a starship and then battle it out with blasters and plasma swords. Use any D20 setting you already own or invent your own. Check out the French Woody Podcast at tritaxsystems.podbean.com to find out more. Whether you've never heard of Fringeworthy or have been playing it for the past 25 years, the Fringeworthy Podcast will entertain and inform you of all the cool stuff you can do with the most all-encompassing setting ever written. Every week, we'll take you on a tour of the fringes of space and give you tips on how to game in this fantastic multiverse. We discuss adventure ideas for the game masters and how to keep your team of characters alive for the players. Go to tritaxsystems.podbean.com and take a listen. You can also find us on iTunes under keyword Fringeworthy. A million million worlds await you. Music by Herminster, available on iTunes. Welcome to the Fringeworthy broadcast. This time we are going to have an actual live play of a session, which we hope will be a good example of good Fringeworthy play for all our new players and for all of our existing players who maybe have wondered how exactly it's supposed to go. But before I start, for those of us who haven't heard about Fringeworthy and don't know the background of it, I'm going to read the introduction to the game. Long ago, before the dawn of recorded history, a race of gentle beings called the Tamelorn created a vast network of interdimensional pathways that spanned both space and time. For 100,000 years, they traveled and traded these alternate worlds, spreading their love of peace. Then almost overnight, an unforeseen terror ended the commonwealth of the Tamelorn, leaving their greatest creation to those who would follow. Near future. A Japanese research team investigating the ecological effects of an unusually warm Antarctic summer and also possible greenhouse gas heating makes a startling discovery that is destined to change man's role across the universes. An alien building they find buried deep inside the melting Arctic ice contains a 25-foot gleaming silver nonahedron, a nine-sided ring. The party steps through the center of the ring without harm. Then they turn, and to their surprise, one of their expedition had vanished without a trace. In a week, Sayuri Tanuma reappeared from the ring with a wondrous story. She told of other portals, of walkways that lead to other worlds, alternate Earths, and to a strange guardian called Schmert, who talked in rhyme and gave her a key to the portals. They stared at her in disbelief until she opened her hand and showed them the softly glowing crystal pyramid. Their data presented to the United Nations sparked a UN seizure of the first station and the race to explore the French paths was on. 
It was quickly discovered only one in 100,000 people possessed a special unknown quality that allowed them to travel the dimensional pathways. A desperate worldwide search began to find and train explorers for this greatest frontier. The world press soon began to label these pathways as fringes as the first interdimensional exploration teams were established. The IDET personnel became the first of humanity to cross the fringes. Young and old, rich and poor, from every nation they came. These are the fringeworthy, sent to unlock a modern day Pandora's box or die trying. The setting is about a year after the discovery of the fringe portal which is on what they refer to as Earth Prime. This portal goes onto a platform that's 600 foot wide that is connected to other such platforms by a 49 mile long roadway, which once you go out one platform, you reach what's called the alternate platform, which is connected left and right to other sets of platforms. The location they're going to is to the left, two platforms and one of the alternate worlds that is there. This team, which is one of the very first teams that came out of the training at Alice Springs in Australia after they were discovered, is this team here. Why don't you introduce yourselves? Hello, my name is Eric Schaeffer, and I am playing today Rick and Stark. He is a martial artist from Los Angeles, former law enforcement employee, now joining the search for new planets and new stories on the Fringe Pass. Hello, my name is Ken Arendy. Um, I'm playing Gordon Conrad, who is a ex-bicycle messenger from the United States, who's probably been in IDAC for slightly longer than everybody else, but not too much longer, considering it's still the first year. I'm John Altizer, playing Bjorn Yarn, who's uh, Swedish. Uh, he was an underwater salvage and demolitions expert before he joined IDAC. He's Primarily a tech person with craft skills in chemistry, electricity, structural, and life, physics, and technology. He's a smart hero, an explorer uh, with three in each. You focused on what you joined IDAT of being primarily an explorer. Mm, yeah, right. Okay, versus trying to follow your previous skill set. My name is Jay Haley. And I'm playing May Ashby, a former reporter from Colorado. I'm uh, Gigeri Yuhi from Rwanda, former boy soldier. Uh, he's now on the fringe paths, trying to make a better life for himself and his, and his family, who's gone through hard times thanks to the Great Recession. The players have picked their initial set of equipment. Now, one of the things that I do in my game is everybody has an equipment token. It's something where you say... I'm out there on the French Pass, but I, the player, not being somebody who thinks about this as a life and death situation, forgot to write something down on my character sheet that I really think he should have had. So I allow people to say, oh, I didn't mention I have this in my backpack or, or it's in the vehicle. Let me be right back and get that. Instead of them having to go back to IDED and go through a whole requisitioning process, they can pretty much just pull it out and use it as they need it. But they only get one of these, so in the team, that means you've got five equipment tokens. Just keep that in mind, that if you didn't write something down and you really need it to progress the story along, it's okay to use that token. Okay. All right. One Heisenberg equipment token. We don't collapse away from until we take a look at it. Exactly. You don't know whether it's good or bad until you actually use it. 
So you guys are, are back at Hatsumi Base, which was built on White Island, which is connected to the actual under-the-ice dome that holds the fringe portal by an articulated metal tube that goes down into the ice to hold back the pressure of the ice. You're in a conference room, and you are speaking to your IDET contact. And she says, well, we have a mission for you, which is going to be at negative two, alternate, we think it's got a lot of good possibilities for something that might really find some technology that we really need back here on Earth. What with, you know, population overflowing in those greenhouse gases and everything. So I have the United Nations Interdimensional Survey Report. The wind-up that we sent through, which as you remember is a little mechanical device that takes samples, it has this information to tell us. The gravity is just a little bit over Earth normal. It's 1.07 G. The portal is a warp. That means that it's not a full ring station and it can be moved if the conditions get too bad. The atmosphere is a little bit higher than Earth normal also, but it's nothing that makes any real difference. Now, you said a little higher, a little more dense or a little higher in oxygen content? I'm sorry, a little more dense. However, there are indications of complex carbon molecules in the air sample that was taken, which means that there is probably a civilization nearby. As in smog. Smog or other things like that. The temperature at the time of the test was 82 degrees. You probably aren't going to need any kind of warm clothing. As a matter of fact, you may run into problems of being too hot. This is in the Fahrenheit or in the Celsius? It is Fahrenheit. Ah. Thank you. I'm sorry. It's a little bit of my American slipping through. It's about 25 or so degrees centigrade. Did they detect radio waves? There was no indication of radio waves. I'll only tell you what they did find, not what they didn't find. But radio waves is something that they could find. They right? certainly do detect for that, as you learned in your training. Absolutely. The wind-up apparently went on to a bare rock beach. And by bare, I mean there was no plants growing on it. It was basically a rocky, large, pebbly-type beach. There was no soil. However, there was some ocean residue because there is an ocean right here, clinging to some of the rocks that were scraped off that indicates that this is a biosphere very similar to Earth as well. There's a few types of algae that have been identified as native to Earth as well. The sound analysis, we could hear wind, surf, and ocean birds in the distance. The pictures that we've been able to take do indicates that the portal is right next to a very, very large mountain, possibly a volcanic cone. About 500 feet directly in front of the portal is another equally high mountain, as far as we can tell, which could also be a volcanic cone. This is apparently a narrow strait between these two mountains out in the middle of the ocean. In the far distance, with the picture, we think we saw something that could have been a sail, but it wasn't very colorful. It, it was dull brown versus the green and blue of the ocean. So and it was a fair distance, so we're not sure about that. What we do know is to the right of the portal, as you come out, about 300 feet away, there does seem to be what could be two figures standing at the time of the picture, of course, standing next to the wall. So it's possible that there is indigenous life, human life, which we said we think there might be because there's evidence of a civilization. The beach itself appears to be about 50 feet long, and it looks like the portal was possibly backed up from the surf up to where it currently is. But apparently it doesn't get high enough to actually drive it 
up the mountain or around the mountain or anything like that. That's pretty much all I can tell you. Uh, radiation? There is no radiation that we can detect that seems to be unusual, nor is there any indication that there are any highly ultraviolet, like those poor people in that one portal where they came back with burns after only a few seconds of exposure, nothing like that. It appears to be a very Earth-like world. Okay, so there's the wind-ups and, and other uh, probes detected nothing that would be immediately dangerous out, out of the warp. Is that correct? Unless those two figures are immediately hostile, no. Okay. Now, what is our mission specification? Are we supposed to try to contact people on this island or just take a look around? or try to find out what? Yes. As always, we wish you to make peaceful contact, if possible, to people on these alternate worlds. We are looking for a number of things. Primarily, the mission is to find useful technology, materials, organic uh, things, discoveries that could aid people here back on Earth, whether it be medicine, natural plants, recovered extinct species, and of course, space flight, anti-gravity, anything else that you might happen to find. Yeah, but loot what you find is not really specific. We can't give you more than that. You are to explore first, hopefully be peaceful, and bring back something that's useful if you can find it. Okay, so we're just out to scout the island, find out who's there, make contact with them if possible, and find cool things on the island if such are present. Is that right? That would be excellent. Okay. No. Uh, the question is, do we let them know that we are, well, from another world? Well, I don't know. You're going to have to decide how you're going to deal with the fact that you've got people 300 feet away, possibly, who might see you walk out of a portal. Well, they probably saw the wind-up, though. So if they saw the wind-up, then they may have seen, they may notice something happening there. Well, the wind-up is relatively small. They may not have noticed it. And I only know of one way to find out, and that's to go ask them. That'd be true. All right, with that in mind, we're going to explore an island that was pretty warm when it was discovered. Yeah, it's like normal day in Rwanda. Now, let's go ahead and get any equipment we think might be useful for this purpose. Probably need more water. Yep. With that hot temperature, uh, you're not used to warm weather, you, you're going to sweat more, so you need more water. If you don't stay properly hydrated, I will have to make you make fortitude checks every so often to see if you become dehydrated and, and start suffering some minuses to your uh, perception and will and possibly hit points. Now, if it's so hot, we can't really wear our armor, right? Well, it's only 82 degrees. It's not that hot. If you're wearing a bomb disposal suit, that's going to be pretty hot. No, I just got the undercover vest, which so it's light. How long are we expected to be on this island? Because that's going to determine how much supplies we take with us. That's entirely your choice. The mission you know, is open. If it takes you a year to complete the mission, then it takes you a year. However, it would be nice if you came back within, uh, let's say, a fortnight to at least make a report. We want to go back through Hatsumi Base in two weeks. How supplied you want to be is entirely up to you. You know, you look out there, we, we see water. We're on a beach. Big rock walls, you know, we may actually need a boat. Yeah, yeah. If we plan on going anywhere other than that island, that's the truth. I know nothing about about boats. Anyone here know anything about boats? Not really, no. Not a lot of call for boats in Colorado. Come back if we need to get a boat, right? Yeah, I think I think that would be the case. Majority can pilot a ship. Okay. 
So you if we get a boat, man. <laughs> so if we need a boat, we can come back and get a boat. Or you can take it with you now and just leave it on the platform. We're gonna probably have to leave the car, the, the vehicle on the platform. Yes, uh, Jay Leno, uh, who kindly lent you this vehicle, is not going to be very happy if you drive his very expensive 100-year-old vehicle onto a rocky beach, possibly to get washed away by the surf. You know, that's a good point. Uh, the, the steamer, does, does it have the, uh, the, the trailer hitch? It does have a trailer hitch, and you will be pulling a uh, tanker that will supply additional water and fuel. See, that, that limits us to the boats we can take. We have we no, no extra trailers, so we got to be able to bring a, a flammable boat or something like that we can blow up. Why can't you put another trailer on top of that one? We're going to put a second trailer in line because we're going to have to carry uh, food and water for about two weeks, if not a little bit extra. Yeah. And there's folding boats, you know. Yeah, well, you well, no. Hey, Gary, don't know about folding boats. No, I actually know about folding boats, or I thought that would be Bjorn. <laughs> yeah, but uh, to carry, say, a Zodiac raft, we'd have to also carry fuel for the motor of the Zodiac raft if we wanted to go anywhere. Well, we could probably take the fuel from the vehicle. We have been instructed that we have to use the original fuel source for the Stanley steamer. Mr. GM, what was the original fuel source? Did it burn oil? Kerosene. Kerosene. Okay, so we yeah. can rig a, a two-stroke engine to burn kerosene, can't we? It would probably be easier just to bring uh, two five-gallon fuel containers with fuel for your boat. All right. Hey, Bjorn, do you know how to sail a boat? Uh, I'm not sure about that. It, it just says pilot uh, ship, so uh, he, I'm not sure that would qualify. You are familiar with piloting powered boats. Yeah, right. However, being that the game system is simplified in this area, I think you'd be able to do a sailboat as well. Mm -hmm. Maybe at half the level of like. I don't think so. I think it'd be the same. Oh, okay. Yeah. Usually people who know how to pilot boats, if they're experts at them, they probably know how to do a sailboat somewhere mm. along the line. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Now, if you were a submarine commander, then maybe not. <laughs> you know, 10 gallons not get you very far. Zodiac with a sail, then we might be able to go farther and then use, only use the, the motor when we have to. Well, I didn't say you have to bring 10 gallons. You can bring as much as you want as long as you can feasibly pull it along the very flat fringe pass. Provisionally, I'm talking about a third trailer with a boat on it. Fuel, supplies for the boat go in the boat on its trailer. But right now we're packing up the main trailer, which is going to have our supplies. Yeah. So let's talk about what else we're going to bring with us. I would say 100 gallons of water, so they can be in 10-gallon jerry cans. Okay. Mm -hmm. Lots of drinking water. We don't well, know if we're going to be able to find fresh water on the island. We don't know what we're going to be able to find. Well, if people are living there, you probably will find fresh water. We but don't know if fresh it, water without little friends. We also can't tell if there was a ship at the island around the other side of the cone and that these people were just visiting, like the Galapagos. So we want to be prepared to support from the trailer. Just in case that's all we have. Yeah, the, the meals ready to eat, they'd be uh, our best bet. So those, uh, let's see, we have... Three or four cases will do. Because I think one case is a week's worth for one person. Two cases per person. Uh, yeah, we have five characters here. And so we're going to have two cases per person. That's ten cases. Plus two more for reserve. So that's 12 cases of MREs and 100 gallons of water. And 10 gallon containers. Two real film cameras. 
reason why is uh, we want to take pictures to bring back, and we want to have a spare in case one gets damaged. The movie camera. We've got no sound, but you know, maybe get one of those wind-up movie cameras. There are DVD cameras you can use. So you just have to recharge them once you get there. Solar power. Oh, okay. yeah, you're right. You're right. You burn a DVD. You get a DVD camera. Two DVD cameras. Uh, they make a unfoldable solar power thing to charge electrical here with. Actually, if you get the subsistence load, that's actually in a subsistence load. Don't bother discussing anything that's already in your subsistence load. Yeah, it's basically it's a two-man tent in the subsistence load. So we don't we'll bring three subsistence loads and that'll cover everybody for terms of tents and stuff like that. Well, sure. But Who's sleeping with May? Yeah, May gets it gets her own tent. <laughs> and we're bringing a laptop computer. As soon as we take it back through the portal, its hard drive is wiped. Doesn't save anything. Boot off the DVDs and burn anything you want to burn before you come through. There's lots of machines out there that can boot up off of a DVD or even a Blu-ray at this point and just you know do an image transfer onto the hard drive and boot itself up, and it probably won't take more than an hour. And there's also some smart devices that are smaller that you could use for your most immediate needs. Yeah. Why do we need to boot it up off of a DVD, though? Uh, because the portal denatures all of the like the magnetics that are part of hard drives right it'll wipe the hard drive and wipe the ram it'll be gone flash drives are wiped yeah if it has anything to do with the electromagnetic force it's going to get screwed by the portal i have written down on my character sheet some rope some handcuffs uh walkie talkies actually if you take the combat load you'll get walkie talkies in the combat load okay i have binoculars and infrared goggles oh night vision i like that idea yeah, I like that. Computer has a map and encyclopedia, right? Yeah. We've downloaded the Wikipedia onto DVDs. <laughs> For our listeners, a technique I use in my games, when they say, well, do we have that information on our computer? What I tell them is, if you can find it on Wikipedia, you can assume it's on your laptop computer. Okay. It solves a lot of problems about versions and things. Well, as accurate as you need to be accurate. <laughs> Can anybody else think of anything we need to add to the second trailer? Camping out for a week or two on an island. We have stuff to purify water instead of having to use the water we take with us. That would not be a bad idea in case something go wrong. And we got to stay longer than two weeks. So, yeah, water purifications. Trade goods in case we run into, like, Indians or something. So you're referring to the Amusa Savage kit? Yeah. yeah. Fish hooks. Includes a lot of things like... Aluminum cans, fish hooks, mirrors, space blankets, and other type materials. Which also would come in handy in case you need them yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote down trade goods. Will that cover it, Bruce, or do, I, do we need to be more specific? You can do that as a general thing. You may have to use your equipment token if you want to go for something very specific. So generic trade goods, knives, mirrors, wire, that kind of thing. And you can always just give them your own equipment. Yeah. You can always trade with your own equipment. You don't have to have a sleeping bag. You can just wrap yourself up in a big contractor garbage bag. Okay. Oh. The Boy Scouts do it all the time. Yeah. I must make a point, though, because things you know may go wrong. We may be in a situation. We may want to consider more ammunition than what we carry in our basic load. Another 100 rounds per person. You can assume you have the basic human necessities. <laughs> Yeah, actually, in the uh, survival base, you could get matches, fishing hooks, lines. Oh, yeah, I didn't see that. 
Yeah, it says it. Yeah. I'm really not going to nitpick you guys. Let's go ahead and load up our stuff. Are we taking the boat trailer or are we leaving it here for now? I'm going to have to help the car over the ramp. I think uh, Bruce said it doesn't develop enough torque to drag the trailer up the ramp. It's a steam engine. It should actually have the torque. No, it doesn't have enough torque to pull both that big water tank and the fuel and all that stuff up the ramp. But it's not a problem because all you have to do is take two cables that are attached to the trailer and walk up and put them through the portal. And the portal itself will pull trailer pushing the Stanley steamer ahead of it and pulling behind it anything that second trailer that you have attached. Oh, okay. We can use the portal suction. Okay, thank you. Once you touch the portal, you have to go through it. So it pulls you through at a rate of one sixteenth of an inch per second. It has a pull of about 600 megatons. So you're not going back. <laughs> weight is not usually a problem going through the portal. The strength of your cables might be, but not the weight itself. Okay, um, next, next question. Um, are we at the point where we could have thought of um, lists of phrases in different languages to tell what language they have? No, because you're probably at this point relying more on the fact that you're going to be speaking the language after you go through. Right, but I'm saying like you have this list of phrases in like 100 different languages, so you go through the portal... Then you look down the list and you say, oh, wait a minute, this one's in German, but suddenly I know they must be speaking German on this world. Well, Ken, why don't you write that down and you can pull it out and say, hey, I've got this. An English to food uh, phrase book. No, it's not a phrase book. The, the purpose is so you can just look at the list and know what language they speak on the world. Actually, I think we've probably done enough of this that we know that when you step through, someone needs to like turn off for a second and listen to someone talk and then you go okay that's like german that sounds like french well it depends on the skill of the person that's one reason why ken has this list these were all languages that you guys know anybody else want a piece of equipment because once you get going unless it's something minor that i'm not going to worry about you have to use your equipment token or you have to go back to idet which is also possible depending upon what your situation is we probably should all agree on the boat the, do you want to bring a six-man sailboat or we want to bring us an eight-man zodiac i'm thinking the sailboat would be easier save on fuel okay let's go eric does Rickon want anything else no i'm good ken does gordon want anything else no okay john does kigari want anything else uh it's an apron's tank but no no he's good (laughs) okay john a does bjorn want anything else i've got a one-page list on my uh, sheet Oh, I almost forgot. We want to take uh, scuba gear for uh, Bjorn. Got it. I got it. You got it. Yeah. Okay, does he have a compressor to compress air to refill his tanks? Oh, well, I didn't think about that because myself, I don't know anything much about underwater, so I'll clear. We'll add a small kerosene-fired compressor to refill scuba tanks. And remember, you can carry just regular fuel for regular equipment. You don't have to convert everything to kerosene. It makes it easier if it's all running on the same fuel. But if it's going to be a pain in the ass, we'll just carry gasoline. Can I take a bicycle? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Does it- That's a good idea. That is good. Actually, you probably bring uh, mountain bikes for everybody. Yeah. Okay. Put them on top of the Stanley Steamer. Now we can go. <laughs> I think you better really fire that steamer up. Again, to-, <laughs> <laughs> to start, once, we, once it gets moving, it'll be okay. But boy, we might have to get out and push to build up 20 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and we got to go, what, uh, um, 50, 100. 
We gotta go 150 miles to get there. Wow. Okay. Let's go. So you guys load up the Stanley steamer and your two vehicles, using your cabling, using the warp to pull it through. Manage to get onto the French Pass and travel without incident until you get to the actual portal. The portal is the seventh portal. What you gonna do? Send the wind up there. Okay. You take the wind up, run it through. It chugs its little way through on its little programmable cams and gears, waddles itself through. You see suddenly a set of wires firing back through the portal, letting you know that the wind-up is, is being pulled back by the wires rather than by the actual little leggies that it has. Because it has little treads, but apparently the rocky shore out there is way too rocky for it to navigate well. And it finally comes flopping back through the portal, being dragged through by the portal itself. And you've got your stuff to do. A quick analysis of the information, including the self-developing film and the sound analysis on the uh, advanced version of the Edison foil recorder, essentially tells you exactly what you had the last time. Okay. Including two guys. If they are guys, they could be anything. But they look like figures of, of some kind. They could be statues. Yeah, they could be statues. Standing 300 feet away along the side of the, of the mountainside. This is a very steep mountainside. It's at least a 70-degree angle. But we're on the beach, though, right? The beach is rocky. It's like basically it's a big rock garden. I, I had a question. Is it, is it black beach or a white beach? Black beach, like ball site. So it is okay. definitely volcanic. Yeah, see, it, it looks volcanic. Let's go ahead go through. No, no. Make sure everything okay. It's standard procedure to go through in environment suits. No, not environment suits. Uh, no, the white up has already told us we don't need them. It's it's always a good idea if you don't have a wind up with you to be able to determine that it's safe to go through. And As those are people, we probably don't want to freak them out. Standard operating procedure says yes, you go through with environmental suits the first time you go onto a world, just in case there's something unforeseen. You know, there might be some kind of an antigen that nothing was testing for, came up positive, and you walk through and you get zapped. Maybe the place is filled with psychic radiation, and it's going to... I don't know. <laughs> That'd be interesting. As the GM, I could do all kinds of things. Yeah, but the environment's too hard to stop that. Since I'm the combat type, I probably should go through first, just do a quick recon, and then I'll throw a rock through if it's safe. But there's those two guys there. I would prefer you not point guns at them until we make sure they're not their friendly. Does anybody have a hide skill? I have three. That's it. I get the move family plus eight, and my hide is plus three. So, But I'm stealthy, so I get a little bonus in stealth. Yeah, but you're stepping right out of a warp next to these two guys who apparently haven't moved in, like, several days. He can crawl on his hands and knees. He can slide out on his belly if he wants to. I got, I got plus two in my hide skill, so... Just crawl out there and look with the binoculars. How far away from the warp are these supposed figures? They're 300 feet away from you and 50 feet from the water's edge. Are we looking at their faces or are we looking at the backs of their heads? You're looking at a profile. But we can't see any details on them, right? No, you cannot. So, so, so then they could easily be statues. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to think that they might be statues. It is quite possible that it could be statues. I have a question. What color are these environmental suits? They come in a variety of camouflaged overgarments. They could be whatever color you want them to be. And from the pictures, the predominant color scheme outside is black. Well, it's kind of a, a dark brown, blackish, yes. 
either a mountain camouflage or urban camouflage would probably be best. I already probably decided this before we came here what color we would use. So it would probably be like an urban camouflage, which is grays and so forth. I'm agreeable to that. From the pictures on the wind-up, about what time of day is it and would it be feasible to wait until nightfall and then go through? That is a good point. You're not sure because the size of the mountains, unless the sun was directly overhead, you would not be able to tell. All I can tell you is it is daytime. It's not dawn, it's not dusk, and it's not noon. Too bad kid, they have no compass at work. So. It takes up to 10 minutes for the compasses to start working, and then the wind-up doesn't wait that long. So it sounds to me about 9, 10. And the- 9 or 10, or 4 or 3 or 4. One or the other. But if we wait 12 hours, we'll... Definitely will be in, sure of one thing. It'll either be night or day. It'll probably be night. Assuming it's not some strange planet that's got eternal day or something. I don't think it'd be 82 degrees. It's possible, depending on the angle and all of that. If we wait 12 hours, we're almost guaranteed that it will be night. Let's wait 10 hours. Get the little wind-up timer and let it go. <laughs> so I guess we'll just prep everything. We'll get the boat unhooked and get set up just so we can push it through later on. All right, so you get out your egg timer, your wind-up clocks for when you sleep on the fringe paths, and set it for 10 hours from now. 10 hours pass uneventfully. Send the wind-up back through again. It goes through. It comes back, and it's still daytime. Really? So that means it was morning. Okay, we settled what time of day it was? Well, we think it might have been morning out there. The light level is considerably less now, so it's quite possible that you're now getting to be about dusk. We wait two more hours. Good darkness. We waited ten hours and sent it back through, and then we could find out that it's starting to become evening. So we're just going to wait two more hours till it gets dark. I get my gear on, and of course, night vision goggles are worthless until 10, 15 minutes after. So I have to go without. Yeah. Which I'm used to. 30 minutes before I go through, I'm actually going to tie a blindfold around my mask so that I get my eyes used to being dark. Mr. Kigiri, I would like you to go through, take a look, and then come right back. No shooting, no nothing. If somebody does something hostile, scamper like a bunny back through the portal, okay? Okay. Thank you. Get my eyes except for night operation, so I'm going through blindfolded. For the rest of you, you should know that the lighting on the fringe paths is equivalent to twilight. What he's doing is an extra precaution. However, your dark adaption should be pretty quick. In that case, it'd be like five minutes and five, ten minutes in. Because you, you can't really even read without an additional light source on the fringe paths. Yeah. Which means when we were viewing the films and uh, that stuff, the, for the self-developing film, we probably have a little butane projector for it to work. Coleman lantern of some kind. This is all equipment that's been developed by IDET to help you. It's not something that keeps you from doing anything. Going to crawl through the portal. <laughs> Make your high check. Okay, so I get plus two in that. So it's a D20 and I get... My height's plus three, so I got a plus five total. So I get a 21. Now, unfortunately, because it is dark, you can't see whether those figures are down there away from you. I did bring the night vision goggles, but they got to wait until the full thing's charged. Oh, no, it's worthless. We need some power. Yes. So I didn't bring the night vision goggles with me because it's worthless. So I'm going to 
go through. Of course, I'm wearing the environmental suit, so I don't know if it's safe to breathe or not yet. But I'm going to move as far as I can down the slope so I can actually see something, see, see where they are. So you're going to turn and start crawling toward their location? Yes, where the figures were. The distance between you and them, 300 feet, crawling, you can only move about half your speed, yeah. and you're going to have to make a hide check every time. Okay. We'll assume that you move 30 feet and around because that's all you're doing is moving. I rolled 11 for the second check. Okay. How many okay. rolls is he going to have to make? Well, it depends on how close he wants to get to them. I'm trying to see them. I don't see them yet, so I'm trying to actually where I can see them. You're going to have to get within 100 feet to be able to see them. So that means about just two more rolls then. No, you're 300 feet away. And I just moved 30 feet, so I need to move. you got six rolls to make. Oh, six rolls. Yeah. Uh, can I take 10 on the suckers? I'll just make each one 15. If you like. I think I'll do that. I'll take 10 on the rest of them. So they're 15 each. So you're taking 15 on your checks. Get to about 100 feet away, and you notice that there is movement coming towards you rapidly. Okay. Well, at this point, there's no need to pretend anymore. I'm up in weapon handy. I'm trying to see what's coming at me. Okay. Make a spot check. All right. 19. You can see two approximately seven-foot-tall, large, mound-like figures. Your first impression is a crazy, I'm being attacked by Yeti kind of concept. Can't see much detail at all, but they're definitely moving, and there's something ahead of them that is glowing. Okay, uh, I'm going to uh, fire for effect, and then I'm going to run back for the warp. So I'm just basically going to try to suppress a fire. So you roll, not trying to actually hit anybody. Do I have intimidation? You're trying to intimidate, so make an intimidate check. No, I don't have intimidation. So uh, this is going to be uh, unskilled, unskilled intimidation. <laughs> right. Okay. I'll give you a plus two equipment bonus. Eight. <laughs> All right. That doesn't seem to be intimidating, these figures. I'm running back to the warp. <laughs> well, before that happens, suddenly there is a big blast. You hear this hissing sound and a big blast of something coming towards you, like a cone of gas or something, that suddenly a light just crackles through it and all around you. Make a reflex save. Four and Ah, uh, 13. How much damage do I take? That's too bad. You take 10. You can stop counting now. 18. <laughs> <laughs> 26 points of damage, which is over your fortitude. So you need to make a fortitude save of DC 15. So it's 26 points, but you're going to see. Uh... All right, so my fortitude 14, so I didn't make it. All right, you are unconscious. Ah! Yay! Wow. All right. <laughs> the rest of you guys, he don't come back. Huh. That doesn't hold well. Okay. Give him 15 minutes. Then bleed, put on, bleed, 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 bleed. Put on survival. <laughs> you get him, I think you get another uh, fort save to stabilize. Yeah. <laughs> of course, now I roll, now I roll an 18. <laughs> okay. So you are not dying. All right. Well, put on combat load. 
put on the survival load, step through the portal. Who else is going with me? I'm going. Yeah, we better all go. Mm-hmm. Okay. No shooting. <laughs> is everybody going through, by the way? Yeah. Okay. Now, we're not trying to be stealthy in this group, so we can use flashlights and such, right? No, you can't. They still require electricity, but you can use... Road flares. Road flares, chemical light sticks. Okay. It's Coleman lanterns. So. And you can also use things like Coleman lanterns. Road flares. Okay. So we're doing spot. Yeah, do spot checks. Ooh, I don't really have Okay. I have a whopping two. Uh, May rolled an 11 on her spot. Is this for the purpose of being surprised? No. Okay. 22. Two! Yeah! <laughs> I rolled an actual 20. 22. You rolled a two? By golly, we're standing on a planet. Yeah. All right. So did anyone I see rocks. All right. Okay. Are you all wearing your environmental suits? Not me. No. Those of you who are not wearing environmental suits, especially you, Rickon, I'm sorry. No. You notice that the air is warm and the, the smell of the sea is actually very nice. Okay. <laughs> and you looking around, you can see nothing helpful at all. Anybody else below a, a 10 on that roll? Okay. I have a 10. You rolled a 10? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you also notice that there's a strong smell of fish in the air and you actually spot a few fish uh, that may have actually washed up between some of the rocks, gotten trapped there by the surf. Who rolled between uh, 10 and 15? May. She had 11. May, you notice that there seems to be a large line of glowing lights coming from high up the mountain, almost in a vertical line. And they seem to be slowly moving down the mountain. Uh Okay, look at them carefully. Are the lights flickering? Yeah, let me finish, May. Who rolled between 15 and 20? Nobody? So 22 is right. tw- anybody roll above 20 besides uh, Ken here? Okay. You notice that there is uh, some kind of illumination coming from down 300 feet away, yeah. which you think are those two figures that you saw yeah. before. You don't see any indication of your, your partner, but looking at the amount of illumination that is in the sky from whatever light is there, probably from the moon, you think that if you will be able to see clearly if you're within 100 feet. You think the way that those things are bobbing, that it looks like somebody is climbing down the mountain. You mean the lights? The lights, the string of lights that you see, you think it's a line of, of possibly people climbing down the mountain, possibly as a result of being alarmed. So, now what? I say, look, I think there's people are climbing down the mountain there. Yeah. Uh, are those light sources flickering like they were torches? No, they are not. Okay. Now that they've said there's people climbing down from the mountain, can I see them? Yes. Okay. Uh, did anyone talk about the people, the, the light, 300 feet away? Not yet. Okay. Well, then I guess I won't, since I don't know about that, then I'll have to look at the people down coming down the mountain with binoculars. All right. Do I say anything more obvious about them? Perception check. Oh, boy. And I'll, I'll use binoculars on the people with 15, the light. 15. 300 feet. They appear to be human-type figures, and they appear to be coming down. They, the way they are moving, it looks like they're walk, going down a ladder. There's some kind of a light source, a very white light source, that appears to be going backwards and forwards in a, in a swaying fashion, like it's attached to them as they move. Well... Those people are probably climbing down via a ladder, and they got some sort of light source coming, uh, hanging off them. 
I'll use my binoculars on the people 300 feet away. Where you think they are. Yeah. Right. Okay. Looking over there, you see there's two of them, and they appear to be facing in opposite directions. That One of them has this glowing light in front of it, and you can't see the other one. It's possible that there's something between them, but I would say you're not sure. Okay, I move my binoculars downwards to look at the ground and see if I can see any signs of a party member. Okay, you see no indications of the party member between where the light is there and the darkness between you and them. Yeah. It's just too dark for you to see. If the party member was in the water or laying on the side, it's just too dark to see. Because he's wearing camo. I wonder if these um, figures are some kind of guardians and don't actually move from the spot. Yeah. They certainly look like they're in a state of alarm in the sense of their body language. But they're not moving from the spot. No, they're not. It looks likely that this line is going to come down and meet them, yeah. which makes you feel a little bit uneasy. But maybe they're alarmed of the people coming down, not of us insofar, except insofar as they thought we must be people who got past them from coming down. Now, you guys all have light sources, right? Okay, anybody else? Dead light sticks. Okay, so you're, so in other words, in the darkness of, of this thing, you guys are shining like, like a beacon, especially the people who are only 300 feet away. Let's start doing a methodical search for Kigari. He's got to be around here somewhere. All right. Are you going to go toward them or are you going to go away from them? Because you, you can go left if you want to. You went toward them, so we should, probably should too. How do you know that? Didn't you guys say that you guys were going towards the people? All he said was he was going to climb out, take a look around, and he was supposed to come back. Oh, I thought he said that he was going towards them just to see if they were statues. We Is that right? They were statues or not? Is that right, John? Did, did you or did you not tell them that you were going to just go out and come back? Did you tell them you were going to go toward them? I was going to go out and reconnoiter, and I decided to reconnoiter toward, toward the figures. <laughs> right, but you didn't tell anybody that, so they don't know where you reconnoitered to. As far as you know, an octopus could have grabbed you and dragged you into the ocean. Yeah, but assuming that doesn't give us much to do, let's go ahead and start moving slowly towards the light sources down on the beach, looking for Kigari as we go. Okay. And call for Kigari. So you're yelling now. Yes. We're obviously visible. Right, okay, all right. No point in stealth at this point. It doesn't sound like English, does it? Or actually, no, it does because it's a name, never mind. Right now, when you start talking to each other, you realize you are not speaking English. Casos. Okay. Okay. I, I, get out the language. I get out the language sheet. What sentence do I understand? The sentence you understand is apparently Esperanto. Oh. Esperanto? Esperanto. Yeah. Okay. With it's an artificially constructed language. Do you understand an artificially constructed language? What does that tell hey, you? Grimmer's here. No. <laughs> Keep looking for uh, Kigari. Well, you, you may take whatever meaning you want from that. So you're yelling and moving uh, along toward them, okay? In your estimation, depending on how, how fast are you going to move? Slow. I'm looking for Kigari. All right. Because these guys coming down the mountain seem to be coming as quickly as possible. You're estimating that they are moving pretty much at a normal walking speed down the side of this mountain. Of course, it may have a lot to do with the fact that they're going down instead of up. Maybe we should just wait for them because we're trying to make contact anyway. Well, that's up to you. Are you going to wait? Let's stick together keep walking towards the light sources. Maybe they saw Kigari. Bajoran suggests he could start searching like in a uh, maybe a 10-foot radius by the uh, water side. 
Okay. Go to the light. So is that what you're going to do? Yeah. Okay. So go ahead and make a, a search check. 20. Oh, excellent roll. I'm going to stick my head underneath the environmental suit. Oh, you're actually right. going to put your head under there? All right, good. Go. Okay, fine. Okay, let's not get too wild out here in the dark. May roll the 15, doing her search check for Kagari. All right. You can see clear indications that rocks were scuffed here and there, like somebody was crouching and moving and pushing rocks with their feet. Okay. In other words, there seems to be a kind of a trail of somebody who was sneaking up on somebody, but, you know, still leaving some indications okay. of disturbed rocks. Yeah, we should probably follow it then. Right. And you get to a certain point, and you see that there are scorch marks on some of the lichen that are on some of these rocks. There's really not much to smell here because you've got this nice ocean breeze going otherwise. But at this point... The two figures that were standing there, they have noticed you, obviously. At this point, they move between uh, about maybe 50 feet closer to you, and they yell at you, and they say, Go back where you came from! This is not the appointed time! Uh, I'm sorry, have you seen a friend of ours? They look at each other, and they say, Describe this person! Uh, he was wearing a uh, suit that covered him all over in mottled brown, and he's pretty actually stupid. Ah, we have many of those. Before I answer, declare yourselves. Are you apostate or are you impure? Actually, neither. We're strangers here. We just came to say hello. Okay, they turn and they look at each other. And they say, we don't... Believe you. <laughs> okay. Stay back. He says, reinforcements will be here soon, and the high priest will deal with you. The high protector will be able to tell. Have you seen our friend? There was someone who attempted, using most vile stealth, to divert us from our holy duties. He was dealt with. Oh, no. Is he all right? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> oh. May we treat his wounds? No, stay back or we will be forced to defend ourselves. All right, we be we are not aggressive. We beware the power of Bree de June. We do not wield it lightly. Okay, we'll be back in sunup. Thank you. Okay, come on, let's fall back to the portal. You, you go they're going to drag my sorry ass up the hill, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> I won't know this. Though. It's most probable. Yeah. <clears throat> Great. Unless they decide to deal with you there and feed you to the fishes. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the fact, uh, John, that you are still alive is a point in your favor. Head back to the portal. You guys go back to the portal. Yeah. All right. Are you going to leave any of your equipment outside so that you can get the at least get the, the electrical part of it working again? I don't want to give them anything to play with until we come back to talk to them. We okay. can because there's no sun. We can't recharge it. There are mechanical rechargers. Yeah, but I don't want them to experience anything that's hostile. All right. I understand. I was just asking. That's fine. Okay, so you go to the portal with all your equipment. Of course, to these individuals, all of a sudden... 
the lights wink out by one by one. Yeah. Which, of course, is going to be very interesting for them. How long are you going to wait on the portal side, on the platform sign side? Till yeah, sign off? Okay, so you estimated that, it's, that this is sometime fairly close after dark. So are you going to wait how long? 12 hours, 11 hours. Eight hours. Eight, yeah, eight hours. Okay. Okay. It could still be dark, depending, because if it's like 10 p.m., it would be like 6 a.m. Okay. All right, John, uh, your yes. character will regain equal to your level in hit points at that point, because you have had a full night's rest. So you'll now be at five hit points. Six points. I'm at, oh, yeah. Well, actually, no, you'll be at five, because you dropped a negative one. Oh, good. The massive damage, that's right. Because of the massive damage rule, right. So I'm basically at five then. Right. right. Okay, I'll get back to you, John. <laughs> you wait eight hours. What are you going to do at that point? You guys got to sleep sometime. Me is not sleeping right now. Yeah. Well, you probably slept during the 12 hours you were waiting the first time, but that's up to you. You guys could have sat around and read books and manuals set, for a long time. Set the wind up for, for five seconds. Maybe. All right. No, just step through. Well, that's what you think. Okay. Let's go. All right. Yep. Is it still dark? No, it's just after dawn. Okay. Okay. You see yourself surrounded by four of these guys who are approximately 25 feet away from you. Two of them in front of you. They, they, they made a good estimate of, of the light. So they're actually about 25 feet on either side of you. Now you can see them clearly, and you can tell that, first of all, they look very big. Secondly, they're entirely covered from head to toe in some kind of a woven over clothing. They could be armored. You're not sure what they are. They're looking through slits, uh, eye slits. As a matter of fact, it even looks like they've got some kind of a lens that they're looking through. Their mouths, you can't see that at all. Their feet are covered with wrappings. Their hands are in these large mittens with, again, these things over top of it. And in their hands, which is what's kind of concerning you right now, they all have a rather nasty-looking spear or some kind of a polearm of some kind. It looks to be a good six feet long at least. And it looks pretty high-tech, too, which is really kind of scaring you because they seem to be handling it with great ease. It looks like this. And I don't have a picture of that. So imagine something that has a quartz blade on one end covered with all kinds of wiring and the far end of it has a large bulbish thing that strikes you as possibly a large battery of some kind. So it's clearly some kind of a well, you're not quite sure what it is, but it's clear that from the end of it where you were seeing that glowing was coming from that blade. And the blade looks wicked sharp. Okay, so it's a kind of a dual-edged taser uh, pig sticker kind of a thing. Yeah, like a, like a taser, like you get stick, stuck and zapped at the same time. Okay. And that's quite possibly what happened to your friends, your, your compatriot. Okay, keep hands where they can see them, make no sudden moves. They immediately say, Halt! Declare yourselves. Are you apostate or are you impure? I'm sorry. I don't understand what that means. We're not from around here. They look at each other and one of them stands a little taller. and He points at the other volcanic cone and says, Are you from over there? 
or are you from out there on the boats? We are from neither. That's correct. We're from a different place. That is impossible. There is no other place. One of us come out. Actually, yeah, it is. We we are not from the boats, and we're not from this island. You just stepped out, out midair. One of them waves his fear at you. As he waves it, you notice that what you thought was the light kind of blinking off it, it is actually glowing. He says, I command you by the power of Brie de June. Do not lie, or you shall be struck down by Brie de June's power. Okay. I swear by Brie de June, whoever that is. You just saw how we came here. I mean, we could go back and demonstrate that we did not, in fact, come from either place. Hmm. They all look to this one guy, and he turns back to them. He says, then what is your purpose? Why have you troubled the faithful followers of Brie de June? We're explorers. We're just looking to see what's here and to make friends if we can. Where do you come from? If you do not live on the back of the dragon or from the apostate mountain. We come from Idet. Idet? Yes. Where is Idet? It's through a doorway we can see here and then about 100 miles down the road. I don't think they understand miles. It'll be translated into the local term. Yeah, it'll be translated into whatever they're using. Oh, okay. Or we, we come from uh, we come from about 100 mukmuks down the road. Well, he doesn't know how to deal with that. He says... We have no need of you here. Return from whence you came. All right. Our friend who came through earlier, is he here? No, he is not here. He has been taken to be dealt with by the great protector, the high priest. May we have him back? I promise I won't let him come here to bother you again. It is not for me to decide such things. Whose is it to decide such things? The great protector, of course. May I speak to him? No, he is not here. I really wouldn't like to leave without my friend. When should it be decided what his fate or disposition would be? It is not for me to say. He pauses for a second. He says, do I take it you will not leave? We want to leave with our friend. You will not leave without word of your friend? Yeah, we want to make sure he's going to be okay. And we want to take him with us. Mm. He did not mean you any harm. We don't Mm. mean you any harm. Hmm. He doesn't mean you any harm. I don't mean you any harm. <laughs> <laughs> he looks at the other ones. He says, I have not sufficient wisdom to decide this. We shall vote. Who here agrees that they should be killed instantly and solve our problem? Huh. He raises his hand. One of the other one raises his hand about halfway. He says, you look troubled, brother. He says, well, perhaps this is a new thing, an answer to our prayers. These? <laughs> well, hmm. The other ones are like, do the rest of you concur? And they're like, eh, you know, like, kind of shrug their shoulders. They're like, hmm, I do not like this lack of support. <laughs> we have a lot of things we could offer you if we become on friendly or peaceful terms. We cannot be bribed from our holy course with Brie de June. Nobody's talking about bribing you. Nobody's talking about trying to alter your course with Brie de June. We have no opposition to Brie de June at all. All right. Follow me. Do not attempt to escape, or I will have to treat you as apostates and kill you on sight. Would you like us to leave back to our realm and come back at a later time 
to find out if a decision has been made about the one who has been taken? Oh, yes. I would much rather you leave and never come back. That's Stay not, away as long as you like. But that's not, not without our friend, I'm afraid. Let's go ahead and find out what's going on with him. All right. Uh, he turns and he starts walking back down toward where you had saw the two figures originally. Rick and Gordon Bjorn, if one of you wants to get back to the portal and let Idet know what's happening. So I'll write out a brief note about what's happened and that we're leaving with them trying to reclaim our compatriot and that we left with them. And I'll leave it on the portal side. All right. So you do. You toss it through the portal and the portal greedily sucks it up, you know, and it's gone. These people watch us, they know it disappears in midair. It's no more surprising than you guys appearing one after another through through empty air. Let's go ahead and walk like this guy. All right. So you walk over to the place and you see that there is a cut into the very side of the mountain, literally a ladder for climbing up to the top of what appears to be the mountain, cut into very hard rock. And every so often you can see a hole that has been cut also in the rock, which may be a place where something can be placed as an anchor point. The fellow that you're speaking to says, yo, Hunter, climb up and tell them of this news. And so the guy turns around and he puts his spear across his back and proceeds to climb fairly dexterously up the side of the mountain. The followers of Breed, did you carve this into this mountain? Yes, we did. Long ago, my father's father's father did this. How did he know that there was something up there to carve a ladder to? He did not carve a ladder to there. He carved a ladder from there. That's, yeah. We have always lived on the top of the mountain. Oh, okay. So Brie de June created your people at the top of the mountain? No. We were brought there from other places in the world when the great destruction when Brie de June rained down the power of the gods upon the demonic creatures that swarmed among us. Only a few survived. Only the chosen. Only the followers of Brie de June. Uh, Bruce, is this at a point in the timeline where we know about the Meller? Know enough stuff about the Meller? You know that there was something that caused the downfall of the Commonwealth. You know that much. Yeah, I mean, we've heard the word Meller from the start, but we right. know that. But you don't know what a Meller actually is. Do we know when the Commonwealth fell? Nah. Not Okay. Probably not, but it, you know that it's been a long time. Just looking at the dead trees at Simi Base, as far as you know, it was, you know, at least a few hundred years ago. Okay. Carbon so per- this place may have been affected by whatever it is that got the Commonwealth. He said that Brie de June used the power of the gods to destroy the enemy amongst them. The enemy amongst you, were they like different types of people or were they people from this world who didn't believe the right things? It was the agents of the dragon. Agents of the dragon. The dragon. Okay. Then he says slyly, but then of course you know all this. No. Voicing his suspicion that you're just trying to pull even a bigger sack over his head than he already has. Question, are they showing any particular strange reactions to characters of different racial backgrounds in our group? Not yet. Okay. The fellow is busily climbing, just like crawling. He can only move at half his normal speed, 
but he still seems to be moving at a fairly good rate. You figure that within a short amount of time, he'll have reached the top. Uh, it strikes you that whoever these people are that, that uh, are doing this kind of work are probably pretty strong if they can carry all the stuff that's on them, plus what looked like a fairly large weapon, and climb up the side of a mountain wearing mittens. Carry yeah, them. I'm glad they I'm didn't ask us to climb up there. Think about it. They carry Kid Gary's. He's got a 17 strength. He's not weak. He's not lightweight. <laughs> and they know how much of a lightweight you are because they had to carry you up. Yeah. <laughs> so after a period of time occurs, he returns with a message saying that you are all to go up to speak to the high priest. At this point, have we been able to turn on our stuff so it starts recharging at least a little bit? Oh, yeah. If you okay. want to start laying out recharge well, sheets we, and things like that. So we have to lay it out. We, we can't take it with us, for instance. What I'm saying is that if you want to cast sunlight, you got to lay this thing out to do so. It doesn't just happen because you're standing there. Okay. There are mechanical rechargers that you could have been using, but you didn't. You have to lay those things out to start charging stuff. But you could potentially strap one to your back as you climb the mountain. John, we're going to make a quick jump over to you because you've been there. You awaken, you find yourself laying in what looks to be like a hammock. You're in a woven hammock that's approximately 10 foot by 10 foot, suspended above ground. You're in the middle of it. Your equipment has not been removed. Just simply awaken, and you see that standing in a circle around the top where it's connected is a ring of guys dressed in resplendent armor with all kinds of enameling and paints and all kinds of things with horrible, horrible, monstrous masks on their face. And they're all holding these huge glassy spears connected to metallic rods with a big bulbous thing on the end of it. And they're all pointing them right at you. Uh-huh. I'm not much able to do anything other than say, Greetings! I, I am from United Nations Interdimensional uh, Administration. I bring you welcome. <laughs> One of them turns and walks out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> they don't seem to be very talkative. Shortly thereafter, an even more resplendent fellow wearing an equally scary suit comes stomping in, who has the biggest spear of them all, <laughs> who proceeds to look at you and says, Who are you? Are you impure or are you apostate? Apparently that's the question of the day. I am Kigari Yuhi. I am from Rwanda. I don't know you. what you mean by impure apostate. I do not know if, I'm, if, if I qualify for either. <laughs> yes? <laughs> I'm a traveler from a faraway land. We came here to look, to communicate, to make uh, new friends. He says, do you really expect me to believe that? <laughs> I am Noctu. I am the high priest of the chosen, the people of Bredesian, as you well know. Confess, you are an agent of the dragon. No, I am not an agent of the dragon. 
I am nominally Christian. <laughs> Tell me of yourself, then. How did you come to be among us, that we may measure truth from lie? Oh, uh, dear. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be hard, because... It's even hard for me because I did not know this for about a year ago uh, myself. I am not of your world. I come from... From the dragon, yes, we understand. No, not dragon. There's no dragon on my world. The, we have seven billion people on that world. We have all types. I take my masses off at this point, correct? You can take whatever you want off. I probably figure I got my I got my gear off my face then, you know. People of my skin, people of lighter skin, people with uh, different things. We all different. We came here to make friends with you. We have no idea what's going on here. I am not the diplomat type. I, I am a soldier. Ah, so you come to engage in war upon us. No, I come. My job is to protect those of my group to make sure that no harm comes to them. Unfortunately, uh, I, harm has come to me, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> my suit's probably got holes in it. No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't? No, it's a, it was an electrical shock. Ah. Think of me as a bodyguard, like your bodyguards, as he, uh, he points to all the people uh, staying around the edge. Then who do you protect? My comrades. My job was to protect them. Who are your comrades? I rattle off the names. We are IDET Team 3 or something like that. Where IDET Team we are. Two, actually. Actually, IDET Team 2. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you have people from IDET Team 1 in the group. <laughs> yeah. Well, one and a half. <laughs> I have one last question to ask of you then. If you are not of the dragon, then surely you know of Bree de Jeune. Tell me of him, and perhaps I shall let you live long enough. See the end of this. I do not know of Bree de Jeune. <gasps> <laughs> There's a collective gasp by everyone around. I do not know of him, but I would gather if he is your savior, then he must be a, a kind, a benevolent God. He rained down the power of heaven upon his enemies. He is no mincing, half-baked savior. He saves the good, and he destroys the evil. He's a man's God. And right about this point, you hear this female voice says, Oh, really? A man's God, is he? Well, here all the time I've been worshiping, thinking he was a woman's God. And you see a woman standing there wearing a simple peasant outfit and looking up at him because she's about five foot to his seven foot, possibly even eight foot. It would have been nice for you to tell me that somebody different and new has arrived when something different and new has not happened for lo, our father's father's days. Do you not think that the advocate for the people would have wanted to know this? He looks at her and he says, this is no concern of yours, Marie. This is a matter for the priests of Brie de June. Do we not all live or die by the will of Brie de June? How could it not be a matter for me? She looks at you. She says, you there. Are you an enemy of the people of Brie de June? Have you attacked anybody here or elsewhere that we know of? No. I am not any of your people. 
I fired over the heads of two of your protectors on the beach, but it only to scare them off so I could get away. You fired what? I did not shoot at them. I shot over them. Yeah, it, it's a rifle. It shoots many times. It uses bullets, not uh, light like your weapons do. Well, she says, CC, he has inferior weapons. You need not be afraid of him. He says, I'm telling you, Mari, this is no concern of yours. Well, I shall stand and listen anyways. Have you even bothered to feed him or let him relieve himself? He just woke up. And as for relieving myself, I probably have during the night. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, but that's inside your suit. Yeah. <laughs> I know you are in pain. For the power of Brie de June, when used against someone, is legendary in its effectiveness. Oh, yes. However, I do think that you are not of an immediate threat. Unless, of course, you are afraid that he's going to run amok and unsanctify everything in sight. Do you? And he says, no, I'm sure that we can kill him before he does that. He seemed to fall unconscious pretty quickly. You'd think that an agent of the dragon would be of sterner stuff. Well, she says, well, maybe that should tell you something. He looks at her. He says, are you being snippy with me? Of course not. You are the high priest of Brie de June. All honors should be given to you. Right? Yeah, that's right. She says, well, then what are you saying? Are you taking injury where there is none? Of course not. Well, then. Looks around. And the other guys, and they're just like shaking their shoulders going, I don't want in on this. <laughs> so he goes, says, all right then, very well. I do not wish to cause any strife amongst you and your people. All I wish to, is to be able to go, go back home, trace my diplomacy skill on him. Suddenly another one runs and he says, most high, most high, there are more strangers down at the base and they have come inquiring of their compatriot. I think it's him. Yes, it is me. It'd be most kind of if we could all get together and talk. Because all we have to do is talk. Yes, that's an excellent idea, he says. Allow them to come up to the top. There, we can kill them together if necessary. Mari claps on the back and says, there you are. Now you're thinking like a leader. And she winks at you. I just made my diplomacy roll. I rolled a 21. So hopefully it gets a little friendlier. <laughs> well, he might. Yeah, you might. But how can you tell? They have no expression. They're wearing masks. No, no, she's not wearing a mask. Yes, apparently only the priests of Brie de June are wearing masks currently. He says, very well. We will have to transport you out. Yeah, and look down. What do I see underneath me? Nothing. You're laying on cloth of some kind. Ah, okay. I'm sort of thankful I can't see anything, I guess, right? <laughs> they go around and they cut the ropes that are attaching you to whatever's suspending you, which appears to be a series of ropes going up to some kind of a pulley in the ceiling. And as they do that, you find yourselves at the bottom of a big sack, at which point they tie it off, and then they take a knife, and you see the knife cut through the fabric, and make a slit, which, is, which, by the way, is very close to your neck. They pull it over and your head pops out, and there you are all cocooned up inside. Yeah, with my Rambo knife in my boot, which is under the suit, if I really want to get out. <laughs> well, if you want to try that, you can make a... Um... Oh, no, I'm going to try it yet. 
I got to take my suit off to get at it first. That's they proceed to sit you in a chair, which they then pick up and they carry out. And you're sitting on a chair. You're feeling very regal right now, except for the fact that you're trussed up like a Christmas turkey. Walk up a bunch of stairs and they walk out and you are then amazed to see that you are in some kind of a castle-like thing on the edge of what looks to be a live volcano. Smoke is pouring out of this. There's a wave of heat coming up. And in the center of it, near to you, you see some kind of a large metal cage that is swaying back and forth in the updraft, hanging from a heavy chain. It looks like it gets lowered into the volcano. That doesn't make you feel very good. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Especially not five hit points. The thing that amazes you more than anything else yeah. is that as you go by, you notice that there's a sudden glow that seems to come from some of the various rocks and decorations on the top of the cage. Okay, um, when we pass those? You don't pass anything. He's okay. doing this. So they carry you out along the edge of this volcanic pit, and along the edge of it, there appears to be this pathway. Looking out ahead of you, you can see that the bell of this volcano, it seems to be active at one end, but the rest of it seems to be a long crater, yeah, caldera, which stretches out for a couple of miles, and it's filled with what looks like food. It looks like crops are growing in terraces, like what you might see in pictures of Japanese or Chinese farming. Can I look at picture one? Yes, you may. They seem to be bringing you along to about two-thirds of the way down the length of it, where there appears to be a wide area, a place where they have a pavilion, a shelter of some kind, and inside there are hundreds of wicker baskets with ropes attached to them. Okay. However, you don't see anything that looks like enough rope to climb down about a mile mountainside. I see that black vertical structure. Is that like another ridge? Black vertical structure? And the picture, I see this black vertical ridge down the lower in the southern portion. That you couldn't see very well, except when you were traveling from the far end. You don't know what that is. Where the little gray circle is in the little structure, it looks like, around the gray circle in the upper right-hand. That's where you came from. Okay. That's where the volcano is. I see some little gray lines on the side. I bet those are where the stairs are, the ladders are. Or are they on the other side with the big beaches? Yes, it is. Well, there's only one actual set, and that's the one furthest to the bottom. On the east side. Yeah, those are just some artifacts from the printing. But the one furthest is where the stairs are. Okay. The ladder. They bring you over, and they set you down. And leaning out carefully, you can see that about 20 feet below the side here, there appears to be a small landing of about maybe... 30 feet long and about 15 feet wide, like a ledge, you see coming up, almost reaching the top at this point, you see the other members of your party. They're being led forward and back by people dressed in almost sack-like clothing, which is really odd considering everybody you've seen so far all are in resplendent enameled armor and gleaming metal and shiny, shiny, really impressive stuff. These guys down there are dull and, and they're like, say, they're covered over with sacks of some kind, all bundled up. I'd wave hi, but my, I'm not in a position to do so right now. <laughs> you can say hi if you want to. Hello! I yell it in French. Bonjour! Bonjour! 
Uh, we are in trouble, Miss Means. We are in very good trouble here. There's a volcano. Oh my god, there's a volcano. We are in deep trouble. See that. <laughs> Which only Gordon understands. All right. The volcano is sort of obvious. Yeah. <laughs> you actually haven't seen any real evidence of a volcano so far. Well. It's been a rather harrowing climb for you. It's a good mile up. A vertical climb the whole way. To the top of this. Vertical climb the whole way. However, it's just enough of an angle. So as long as you kept leaning into the mountain good, all the handholds, they were good enough. The wind wasn't blowing too hard. And after a certain period of time, you noticed that the guards that were with you, they actually had a rope and these two sticks that they would put in those holes. They would leapfrog between them. One of them would go up and put a stick in, and then the other one would pull the stick out of the bomb and then pass him and go up and put the next stick. A safety line? A safety line. There was always somebody who was well-positioned in case the other one fell the whole time. You guys, on the other hand, didn't have any of that stuff, so it was really, you were like, well, thanks for like preparing for us, you know? Well, their gravity would solve their problem and simplify things for them. Yes, as a matter of fact, I'm going to simplify things for them, especially the particular guard who didn't like you. But I think it was his responsibility to not like you. <laughs> it's his job. He's a guard. <laughs> so you guys finally climb up more than a little winded. Yes, sweaty, shaking, arms. The further you go, the more fear there is. The only thing that keeps you going is the fact that it's really a long way down to, and it's a lot harder to go down than to climb up. Oh, I'm going to get Kigari for this. And as you get near the top, you suddenly hear the voice. Bonjour, bonjour, mes amis. Of course, only Gordon understands me. <laughs> Looking up, it appears that your friend is sitting in some kind of a royal chair. Though he looks a little odd. He seems to be draped in some kind of a fabric or something. You, he, all you can really see is his head. Okay. But you're able to climb up onto that ledge I told you about. Yes. Yes. At which point you can <laughs> take a break and thank goodness that, that you have survived this harrowing climb. Oh, Mr. Yuhi, so nice to see you again. Oh, I am great. Thankfully you came back for me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought I was being stealthy, and I was not. You can tell. And I am definitely in need of the medical aid. <laughs> All right. Who seems to be in charge of the thing? A eight-foot-tall, slender-looking person wearing the most resplendent, outrageous B-movie mask and armor you have ever seen in your life steps forward and says, I am not cool. I am High Priest of the Chosen of Brie de June. Are you apostate or are you unclean? No. <laughs> Neither, sir. We're travelers from outside. I'm May Ashby. These are my companions, Rickon, Gordon, and Bjorn. I see you've met Mr. King, Mr. Yuhi. <laughs> he says he is your bodyguard. Is that true? That was how we trained, yes. Ah, uh, very good one. I see you do better. Very well. Why have you come amongst the chosen of Brie de June? Uh, and why should we not send you back to the dragon from which you have un undoubtedly been spawned? We did not come from a dragon. We came from outside. What is this outside you refer to? At this point, uh, the guard says, My lord, they appear out of thin air onto the rocky shore below. And he looks over, and, and you get the impression 
that this is an important question. And he says, so they did not come from the water? They appeared on the rocky shore itself? Yes, your holiness. And did they appear on the rocky shore on the other side of the strait? And he said, no, only on our side, sir. Hmm, he says. And about this time, you see this short, raven-haired woman wearing a simple peasant outfit who says, see, see, they're not apostates. Uh, Describe her, please. She looks to be of a mix between Asian, but she's a real big mix. She doesn't look like, the only reason you think she might be Asian at all is she still seems to have a slight almond shade to her eyes, but she looks highly mixed, like she could be like a, a Polynesian. Okay. She looks to be in her late 20s, possibly early 30s. She looks to be in pretty good health, though her teeth could use some work. She's slender, okay. dressed in a fairly thin outfit. As a uniform, most people consider her to be rather scantily clad, much along the lines of some of the police force in Bermuda, running around in their Bermuda shorts and their thin tops. <laughs> okay. Which is really odd compared to the clearly overdressedness of the priest of Brie de June standing next to her. Okay. She's only about five foot tall, so I say there's quite a difference in height. So she says to the uh, high priest, see, they, they did not come from the water. Excellent. Then, if you did not come from the dragon, then we do not have to kill you immediately. Thank you. I appreciate right. that. Thank you. <laughs> I whispered to two companions next to me that, well, perhaps we can take out the uh, laptop and show them the uh, IDAT intro. It's got a power. It's got a power. Didn't we power? No. Some? We haven't had enough time. Okay. No, we had to, we had to oh, yeah. leave it out in the sun in order to mm. power it up. Okay. Speaking of which, so we're... Are we still in the sun right now? Yes. Okay. You're, you're definitely in the sun. Sun is just beaming down on you big time. Even more now because there's no shadow at all up here except maybe right where the thing meets the, the, the 20 foot climb up to the actual top that you're standing at. So I think pulling up solar panels may not be a good thing to do right now. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we're still in negotiation okay. phase. Uh, hi, Your Worship, we apologize for disturbing you. We are strangers here, we don't, and we know nothing of your ways. Uh, Why have you come? What is your purpose here? We came to explore and perhaps make new friends if possible. He looks around and says, what is this explore? It means to see new places that you haven't been for. But there are no new places. There is nothing but the great expanse of the dragon and the few of the Brie de June. Well, there's another thing, too. That's where we come from. We're not from the dragon, and we don't know your Brie de June. Well, clearly, if you do not know Brie de June, you are not from heaven, and you claim not to be from the dragon, so you are not of the great expanse before us, and you are not of the chosen, and you claim not to be of the apostates, so I do not know where you could be. Is there anything in the holy writing that says about any other place? If you wait a while, we could power up our machines and show you some information. One of the people you know, says, well, uh, your worship, there are some mention of things, but there is also the possibility that they are from the earth itself, that uh, from the ground. Perhaps they have been living in some vast, deep subterranean chamber all this time. He says, well, what of it? Is that it? Is that where you're from? No, 
our paths may look sort of subterranean to you, but they lead to other places. You know, from up here, we can probably see the other island, too, can't we? No, we're down in the caldera, aren't we? Or are we on the lip of it? You're on the lip of the caldera. So we can okay. see the other island, correct? Yes. And over on the other island, you can see definite indications that there is smoke, little little small trails of smoke rising. White smoke, right? Yes. I suppose well, those people over on that island are your apostates? They are not our anything. They are apostates. They are to be killed on sight for betraying the people of Brie de Jude, for not holding the faith. I'll say this in French, so only Gordon will hear this. Well, they brought me here. I saw a strange glow. They have some glowing rocks over the caldera, and when I went by, one of them glowed. Maybe they have a crystal. You don't know. Sounds like a possibility. Just, just me and Gordon, you guys did don't hear the. You don't understand what we're saying. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, you could say it in English. I don't know English. <laughs> I know French. You don't know English? Well, you know English when you're at Hatsumi Base because that's what they speak there. Yeah. Here I know Esperanto, yeah. my native language, and French. <laughs> Your worship, is there any way we could negotiate for the freedom of our friend? Leave you in peace. Wow. Yes, I suppose. Okay. I find your presence here troubling. It is a complication that did not complicate my father, nor my father's father, but my father's father, of course, had to deal with the impure. Thank goodness that neither I or my father or my father's father had to deal with the apostate. Bruce, we have uh, more than one copy on DVD of the I Get Welcome uh, package. Perhaps. Uh, maybe yes, yeah. maybe no. Now, Bruce, my yes. question I was going to ask is, does the Welcome to IDED video come in Esperanto? Probably not. Okay. <laughs> if we show them, we'll have to narrate it then. Right. And now we should ask to see their holy writings, since it's obvious that they need some high tech. Please take uh, it to your Quran. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think that would be a good idea. <laughs> maybe we can just ask them where they make their um, spears. No, I'm wondering what they eat. Well, we see the crops in the terrace farms, right? And they right. probably fish. Yeah, you don't get big that way eating, eating carrots. To the high priest, what may I offer you to secure the release of my friend and safe passage so we can uncomplicate yourselves and leave? Fortunately, your friend, we were able to prevent him from touching the holy. Oh? Therefore, he does not have a sentence of death upon him. What holy is this that we're not allowed to touch? I want to make sure none of us... The place of the people of Brie de June, all that is above here is the holy. That which was given to us so that we might survive the cataclysm when the power of heaven through Brie de June uh, came down upon the world and destroyed all the minions of the dragon. Mon Dieu, that is why they have you dressed up like the, the Christmas turkey. <laughs> <laughs> to touch the holy is to die okay we have prevented him from doing this therefore we can return him to you uh, thank you sir uh, we would be very grateful and we will do this gladly if he gets rid of you yeah but we, we haven't really explored but Marie says but most holy it is inconceivable that someone would come so far come from some other place and you not find out 
What is the will of Brie de June regarding this other place? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And he says, quiet woman, it is not for outsiders' ears to hear. She says, but that may be just the point. If they are not apostate and if they are not impure, then perhaps they are the very ones who must hear of it. He says, we must not discuss this. It is a matter of faith. And she looks at you. She says, please, if in fact you are from some other place, some place that is not touched by the dragon, you must find a way. You must find a way to build a bridge between us. Let us recharge our equipment and we can show you a video. Huh? No, we're getting out of here. Come on. No, our, our mission is to explore and trade. So if we can yeah. Yeah. talk to them and show them stuff, then we should. We are very lucky not to be carrying extra holes from Spearpoint right now. Let's go ahead and work on that, getting back to the gate without any extra spear holes in us. <laughs> then we can work on other things. If they give us permission to do this, then I don't see why they poke us, poke holes in us for recharging our computers. I, That's why I'm asking. I have a gift of one of our information devices to show you. Yeah, they don't what video means. May I show you this gift? Very well, show me this gift. Yeah. Very slowly take out one of the Blank DVDs. Okay. And I very slowly, so it doesn't look threatening. We can't do it. we got to recharge now, I, I know we can't, but still, I think a DVD, you know how, how it reflects a different color. I mean, that all by itself would show something anyway. They, they have high-tech guns. They have their taser spears. John, other than what they're walking around with, you haven't seen anything high-tech so far. Well, let's see this in French. The greatest technology I have seen... And of course, Gordon has to repeat this in English. You guys understand? Was their spears? Otherwise, they are like the primitives. Post Holocaust descendants. He says, "Very well. Send down a basket." And they lower a basket down, one of those wicker type baskets I mentioned. Put your gift in the basket. Go ahead. I let them see how it reflects the different colors of light and stuff, and then I say, "This is the item." I move it around and I put it in the basket. They pull it up. You, you see them holding it on the edge of a, a very large stick. <laughs> Looks like bamboo, actually. We will examine this after it's been purified. And off they go. with the Yeah, purification will probably destroy it. <laughs> I, I ask again, may we recharge our equipment? This involves unfolding this thing here and putting it out in the sun, and that's all. Oh, well, do whatever you wish. As long as you do not touch the holy upon which we will have to kill you, kill you without remorse and without, he looks down at Mari, and without discussion, okay. you may do whatever you wish there. I, I start recharging our stuff. All right. Particularly the computer. At this point, using some more sticks, they pick you up, John, and they lower you down. Your worship, I was going to ask you a question before I do that. Can one become chosen? Yes, you must be purified, though. Is, uh, what is the process? You must go into the heart of Brie de June and let the fires of light cleanse you of any impurity. Into the volcano? Yes. <laughs> is that what you had to do? I was born here, stranger. I have no need to be purified. We'll have to think on that. 
Yeah. Okay, I really need you not to start picking fights with the high priest of letting us go. Like, I'm not picking fights. No, no, I'm, I'm thinking about No, not you, not you, John. Ah. <laughs> but know this, that Brie de June, according to our ancient writings, went into the heart of the volcano unscathed. For so great was his holiness. So great was his devotion. It is the fitting end of all priests of Brie de June to follow him there. Ah. Well, okay. I get lower down then. If you wish to be purified, it can be arranged. Yeah, no, not today for us. Thank you. <laughs> oh, we have to think about that. <laughs> they lower you down and they cut the ropes and let them fall around you and you can dig your way out of that sack. Help yeah. him out. I need some help. I'm looking at that going, there's no way I'm going down unless you guys carry me down. <sighs> uh, get him out of what's left of his environment suit. It's intact. I have lots of electrical burns on my body. Yeah, let's go ahead and see if we could do some first aid on that. Can the environmental suit withstand going down to the bottom of a caldera? Oh, no. Not that suit. Okay. No, it's not designed for dealing with that. Right. I mean, the bottom of the caldera, sure, but the bottom of the volcano, no. Bruce, I'm a question. Now, I'm going to have to do it using a skill of zero untrained, but I want to use history and know if Rita June sounds like it may be a distorted version of some word or name I may have heard of. Okay. Is Marie still up there? Yes. Okay. She's clearly very curious at you. She's watching you. Thirteen. Invite her down. Wave at her and say, please, come on down to talk. We won't, we won't hurt you. She says, I cannot. If I was to leave the holy, I would be in the same position as you are. Oh. What about the fellows in the sacks? Are they impure? Or? That explains the sack. They're protecting themselves from the impurity. She says, no, they wear a protective covering that is removed and that is purified so that they retain their purity within. When it's purified, does it come back? I mean, is it purified and then returned to them? Their outer garments are placed into the cage that you saw, huh? lowered into the volcano where it is purified and then it is brought back up and reused. Ah, I look at the suits. One of the guys still down here with us, or are they gone back up? There's currently two of them. We're led outside of the lip of the caldera, is that right? Yeah. But look at those suits. If there was a real volcano, those suits would catch fire, right? Most volcanoes are above 500 degrees, which would torch these pretty good. And these do not look like they're scorched. They, they could be some, like, relic asbestos suits or something. The question is, I think asbestos would feel different from, like, rough-woven garments. It would also look different, wouldn't it? Yeah, it looks like something that's some kind of a plant fiber. Yeah. Possibly even woven bamboo, you know, very thinly done, or some kind of a hemp. It looks like a natural fiber, possibly even an animal fiber. 415 or 450 would burn it. Yeah. So who's our best first aid person? Gordon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, need to do a pre-injury check. 16. Okay, that's going to give you back some healing. Ah. Okay, now my earlier question about if I think Rita June sounds like a distorted version of something I might know from history. Okay, you rolled a... 13. 13. Not from your recollection. Okay. Uh, D4. Okay. 7. 
Oh, I'm feeling a little better. Hey, anything helps when you're that far down. Yeah, electrical burns all over my body. <laughs> yeah, you have this strange ringing in your ear from tinnitus. So they are speaking this made language, Esperanto? Yes, it appears to be Esperanto. It's not a modern Esperanto either. It appears to have had all kinds of linguistic drift in it. But we wouldn't actually know that. We only know it is Esperanto because we have the list of sentences to test. Yeah, and he said his father, father, so there's three generations. Uh, he talked even further than that. He said that the apostates were beyond the impure. They're obviously descendants of high-tech people. We don't even know what they mean by impure or apostate. His father and his father's father. So there's at least three, four generations on this island. So that's what, a hundred years? It's been a while. Well, depending on the generations, if they are like they are in Rwanda, that's uh, maybe a hundred years. If like you're in America, 200 years, maybe. Or it could be this father's father's father it could just be a turn of phrase. Like, like when you said the word billion. <laughs> Which, by the way, they didn't have a word for. <laughs> they may not even have retained that word. Yeah, you tried to say billion and you end up saying a lot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so I said billion. Yeah. Thousand million or whatever, yeah. They're not going to have a million of much of anything. Yeah. Except, you know, bottles of beer on the wall where they're waiting for something to happen on their island. Yeah, grains of rice. <laughs> yeah. They're speaking a creative language, which means from training that this would be a alternate because Esperanto is a very specific language. Right. Yeah. Right now, we have no way of knowing what the backstory is. Let's ask. Yeah. Is Mari still up there? Yes. Hey, Mari. Would you be willing to tell us the story of your people? Yes, I would. Please. This is the story of the Chosen of Brie de June. Long ago, before our even father's father's father lived, the people of the world lived throughout the vast sphere on which we live. There were mountains like ours all over the world. But between them all, and touching them all was the great body of water that you see. From the depths of that, one day arose an evil, malign force, a force of impurity, a force of malevolence, of intelligence, an evil spirit, the dragon. And the dragon filled the water and made it his own so that all that it touched would become impure. So much so that the world was filled with evil and destruction and men warred on men and men warred on women and fathers on sons and children on parents until the entire world was about to be destroyed. But then Brie de June, one of the few pure left, he received a revelation from heaven that there was power and there was a place that had been prepared for this time long ago and that he could lead the people, the chosen people, who still were pure, to this place, who had not been touched by the dragon, and there upon which the very power of heaven would be unleashed upon all of the minions of the dragon, upon the dragon itself, upon the lands in which they had left, until nothing remained, nothing remained except 
Well, unfortunately, the dragon and the chosen of Brie de June. And so he did. And so great were his words and so pure was his countenance that all who heard him believed. And he had the power to tell who was the chosen and who wasn't. He had the ability to know without question that they had this special quality that made them pure, that proved that they were pure. And they could come and be separate and not face the destruction that was coming. And so he led them here through the power of the air, through the air itself, that they may not touch the dragon, to this place. And then he descended into the depths of the volcano, into its fire itself, so that he might send up to heaven a sacrifice that he would be heard and the power of heaven would be unleashed. And so it was. The descriptions are vague, but the heavens opened up and the lightning that we have been blessed with, our great leaders, rained down all over the earth. The skies turned black. The sun was hidden, but this place had been prepared for them, for the chosen. And so they survived. The very volcano kept them from freezing during the frozen nights and kept them from dying through the frozen days until the sun returned and the skies cleared and we knew that it was done. And so we have remained for as long as anyone can recall, worshiping the heavens above and our great patron who has gone up to them, Brie de June. Though some lost faith and left us for a life on the other island, the apostates, and she spits over the side and made their souls return to the dragon and not trouble anyone, for they are despicable to have turned their backs upon the faith of the chosen. And then there are the others, the impure, who made a noble sacrifice, who left our sanctuary to wrestle sustenance from the very mouth of the dragon. And to this day, it brings some of that sustenance back to us as an offering to Brie de Jeune. We pray every night that the, what purity remains in them may still keep them strong and may not succumb to the touch of the dragon as they face every day. And we thank them for their support and the offerings that they have brought us. I have great respect for them, even though they are impure, even though they may never return back to the holy. So the impure are people who've gone down onto the out, outside of your island to protect it from the apostates? That, but mostly they live down there. They grow crops then, or they fish? No crops will grow, but they do fish. They take fish, animals, and, and other things that they're able to rest from the dragon. Theirs is a difficult life, ah. and we support them in the faithfulness they've shown by giving them a special material that we have that allows them to build their boats, that they may pass amongst the dragon. That their boats made from the very body of the great island upon which we live. And that is the story. Okay. Thank you. That's a lot we didn't know. I have some questions, if you wouldn't mind answering them. The things you have here on the island, do you make everything that you own, or are there things that you have only as 
remnants of ancient times that you can no longer make. Everything that we have, we make. Including those spheres? That is a craft that has been passed down from generation to generation amongst the priesthood. You would have to ask one of them that if they were willing to speak of it, and I doubt that they would, since you are strangers. Another thing, um, my friend here told of certain rocks or crystals that glow when we pass. Do you know anything about those? No, I do not know of what you speak. I turn to him and I say, well, saw them glow. But apparently no one else did. Did I see what color they glowed? What color? Yeah. Make a perception check. All right. 20. Okay. You think it glowed a violet color. Of course, I have no idea what that means. None of us know what that means yet. <laughs> yep. But you know that it's not the same color you have. Which is clear, which is just white. Right. How many of them were there? Were there a lot or were there just one? It seemed to you that it was glowing from within a mass of these decorations. There was many bits of glass and possibly other things. It could have been refracted. It could have done a lot of... There were other colors that he saw. And, of course, the sun was shining on it. So it was just by happen chance or perhaps even... Perhaps Brie de June was wanting you to see it. Yeah. That's me speaking, the GM, of course. She says none of these things. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Brie de June, what else do we got? <laughs> <laughs> you know that you're rowing uphill here, so it's not going to be easy. I think if I was better, I would take a chance of being made pure. Maybe we would get a chance to see what's in, the, in those crystals. <laughs> yeah, as you were lowered into the volcano. I have a question. Um, when somebody goes through the ritual to make them pure, are they allowed to wear things to protect themselves? No. No, of course, you would not wear anything to protect yourself. What would there be to protect yourself from? The heat of the volcano. But why would you want that? That's what purifies you. Quietly among the group, I suspect that there's something about Brady Zoom that relates to the portals into the fringe path. But until we know more, there's no way we're going to risk it. Okay? We do know that the natives who saw us pop out could not see the portal. Or if they did, they didn't tell anybody. Yeah. So no fringe-worthy were among the people who saw us that we know of. Well, there was only four of them, so it's unlikely. The odds would be really, really against it. Actually, that's a good question. Bruce, do we actually have a crystal? No, you do not. Good, okay. They're so rare that they're being used to try to find more fringe-worthy. Yeah. Yeah, they're all out being carried around amongst the populace. So Yuri is probably looking for somebody as we speak. Okay. Maybe, perhaps, one of us could go closer to where those stones on top of that cage are without touching it at all and see. Did you hear the part where he said that if we touch the uh, holy, we have defiled it or are to be killed without mercy or hesitation? I specifically said without touching it. Yeah, you know, the holy is the entire land inside the caldera. Even if you walk on it, we're touching it. Right. If you walk on it, you touch it, you defiled it, and they kill you without mercy. You saw how they brought me here. They put me on a den chair and carried me in a bag, so I could not touch anything. Mm. Yeah, no, they really don't want us in there. The bag is here now. It's not going back. Well, it, it might go back and get purified. 
Right. Yeah, that's true. What's it, the bag made of? Do you say it's like canvas? Woven bamboo fiber? It's like canvas, but it's woven with a natural fiber. I ask, has anybody ever survived being purified? Of course. Anybody that you've seen or know of, not anybody from your no history. One, no one has attempted it in my lifetime. The guards are very careful. They're very well protected so that they didn't be put at risk. And we have not even seen, other than at distance, the apostates for many, many years. I do not know if it's possible, but I, well, let me rephrase that. I am sure that if you were holy enough, that if the spirit of Brie de Jeune was upon you, that you would be able to, because after all, he's Brie de Jeune. He is like a god himself now. So if he is your, if he was to come upon you, and I'm sure he would protect you. I'm pretty sure this is some kind of high-tech thing. We know that it doesn't burn the clothes, and if it was just a normal volcano, it would burn the clothes. That doesn't actually prove we could survive it, though. No, it says it's only 400 degrees, which wouldn't burn the clothes. It still it would, would kill you. It would kill the heck out of you, though. Yeah. Unless you were wearing something protective. And I specifically asked about that, and they said you can't wear anything. Well, you want to drive back to Hatsumi and get a Nomex suit and give it a shot. I really, really recommend against that right now. Yeah. Marty, when you said, have you have you seen Brita June? Has he ever walked among your people recently? No, he is in heaven. Ah. Looking upon us and watching over us. Looking forever to see if the dragon has returned. I say to my comrades, you know... I have seen the Star Trek movies, you know. <laughs> you know just make sure there's no giant lizard head someplace. Yeah, no. No. There could be something that isn't a god, but is actually something which is very powerful. Or it could be that there's no god and people just get fried when they go in the volcano. Yeah. And the only way to falsify that is to go with the volcano yourself to try it. See, and like I say, I'm not eager to try that experiment. Yeah, I have an idea. Yeah? How about we put like a video bug or a mic bug in some clothing and give it to them to be purified and see what happens um, to the bugs if they get fried or not? Hmm. Maybe some sort of temperature thermometer or something like that. Do we have like a thermometer or we can spare? How would we get it back, though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I was really insane, I'd think it's sort of a heliostat. If we could assemble it on the beach and then ride in the air. The story said that, that Mari told us that Dejun carried the people through the air and placed them in the caldera of the volcano. It could just mean they like came in in airplanes or something. A balloon? Heliostat? We need a ritual and a helicopter. We don't have one. Wasn't that when they crashed, though, and ripped itself to pieces? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I tech people could have made a one that works. But in any case, I don't think any sacrifice to a volcano is in our mission spec right now. No. Well, that's why I was saying putting the bugs in, because I have a feeling that this volcano is a little bit... There's more to, this, to the volcano than I think there is, than we think there is. I think that would be safe to speculate, but I don't see any way for us to, to change it Actually, right now. I have an idea. I'm going to burn my equipment, Benny, for this one. Okay. Oh? I packed away a aerial drone, the flying kind. 
the uh, helicopter kind that flies ver- vertically. It's, it's packed away in a box in the trailer back in the portal. <laughs> in order to control it down into the caldera, we'd still have to have line of sight, which means we'd have to get up on the lip of the caldera, and that would violate the Holy of Holies. Plus, we'd have to get back to the portal in order to even get it. We're all together now. I think as soon as Kigari feels well enough, we can start climbing down. Where you are right now, you could probably control a device of that kind as long as you still see in the air at an angle. So if you wanted to do an overfly of this place and even be over the volcano and take sensor readings, sensor readings, you could still do that. I mean, you wouldn't be able to land it, which you wouldn't want to do anyways. But no. I'm just saying is that from, the, from where you are, you're only 20 feet from the lip. So that's something to think about doing. We'd have to be up here to run it, not down there to run it. So Yeah, yeah. that means climbing all the way back up. That sounds like person. so much fun. Mainly what I'm thinking is I want to see if it's okay with them if we could open up some sort of trading deal. If we have anything they might be able to use for which they might grant us a permission to be a variation on impure and be allowed to walk around outside the caldera. If you brought them something that could be purified, then they would probably be interested in trading for it if you had, there was something of theirs that you wanted that they could give up to you. What we want would be the crystal, if it's a real crystal, which we don't know at this point. Okay, that, that's kind of a long-term want. What we want right now is to be able to come and go from the island without getting killed. You guys came here with a combat load, but I guess the only thing you got is weapons, and they have better weapons. We got a savage amusement kit. We also have a survival kit. Fish lines and so forth that help you appear down on the surface, but not these guys up here. That's true, but uh, still, <laughs> it would help them bring in more fish, and that would help with the food supply here on the island. Let's go ahead and sort out what we have and see if they, we have anything we'd like to offer them. I'm thinking the survival knife. Not only could it survive being heated to 400 degrees, but it can also be very useful in all sorts of different uh do yes. Do people forge steel? Okay, is our equipment recharged by now? It's very hard to do. It's very hard. So you don't use it for very special things then, yes? Yes. There are other metals much easier to, to work with. Bronze, tin, copper. One of the things you use the savage kit is a series of stainless steel bowls. Would you like some cookware? Bring out the bowls, bring out the bowls. <laughs> Okay. What would you want for such a thing? Boss? Like I say, uh, what we're looking for, what we're looking for is a right to come and go, is an agreement to pass the island without causing your people any harm. Without your people killing us (laughs) immediately over being here. She says, that's not for me to decide. However, if you could come up with some way of traveling upon the holy yet not touching it with some assurance that you weren't going to do something, some way of us trusting you, then that would be, unfortunately, the best way that any of us can think of would be for you to go through purification. But I I understand your reticence to do that. Yeah. Okay. Guys, you can just put on environmentals. I already asked them if we can wear stuff. They said we can't. No, I know, but that way we're not actually touching the holy. Yeah. We should be purified first. Can the boots on our environment suits 
survive being quote unquote purified? She doesn't know. Are you asking me that question? I'm asking the GM. Oh, okay. Uh, We know their clothes do. Well, I don't know. They might suffer some damage because they're not designed for really, really hot temperatures, but they might survive it. The rubber would probably be burned beyond recognition. If it survives relatively intact, they can call that an insulation from our impurity for their holy of holies. But you need gloves, too, because we got to climb up. And I bet to climb up, we actually have to touch things with our okay. hands. So we have to do our gloves. And if your knees scuff, we have to do your... We basically got to do a whole suit of clothing. And then we have okay. to get dressed. Which is what the guards do. Yeah. Okay. So what we need is our own variant of the guard clothing to be purified so that we are insulated from the Holy of Holies. I think we could do that. Hey, Mari, can you send out a basket? Sure. Um, Bruce, is our equipment recharged by now? No. It's going to take a while. Okay. All right. One thing you've noticed is is people come and go. There's been a lot of people that are interested in seeing these strangers, okay, people who are not apostate, who are not impure. And one thing you've noticed is the fact that every single one of them is thin as a rail. Uh, That means they're not getting enough food. And there seems to be quite a few of them, too. All right. I saw farms. There's no guarantee that their population is in balance with the calorie output of their farms. Ah. They said the farms wouldn't grow anything, I thought, or something. No, not not down below. Up here, yes. Oh, okay. Kigiri saw many, Mm -hmm. many things growing. Matter of fact, everything had, except around the volcano itself, things were growing. I mean, you didn't even see houses. All you saw was stuff growing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but they need all the possible area of the limited yeah. space for food growing. Yeah. And there's volcanic soil, so it's very rich and very fertile. The food is really growing inside, right? Right. Which means the people who are live outside and are impure would not be allowed to eat that food. No, I think you could move food from the inside to the outside. You could move it to the inside without insulating it and then purifying it. So they lower down a basket as you requested. Okay. Stainless steel bowls, fish hooks, and one of the survival knives. All right. Mari, this is a gift to prove our goodwill. We're going to go see if we can get some boots and some gloves to be purified so we can Uh interact with you further without risking uh, any impurity. Okay. Is it possible that we can bug the, the stuff before we give it to her? You could, but is it going to survive being sent down into a volcano? That's the point. It's a real volcano or not. You want to spend your equipment token on a uh, remote camera? But it doesn't matter because nothing we have to receive it with would be charged right at this moment. Let's <laughs> go ahead and head down the mountain and set up camp outside our door. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, if you want to do this little trade, you can wait till your equipment's charged. Okay. Now, I'll also ask, are the people who you said are impure who live outside permitted to eat food from inside? They do not receive any food from us. They only receive medicines and uh, that binder I told you about for their boats. Oh. And occasionally a few pieces of metal, but only in very rare instances. Only the most faithful receive such things from us. Maybe we could provide them with food then. Yeah, MREs. Yum, yum. Actually, it'd probably be great for them, yeah. (laughs) Make a perception check. Probably better than what they're getting now. Yeah. You mean a spot? Yes, a spot. All of us? 19. He was asking the question. 19? Yes. You recall that while you were sitting there, 
stuffing your face full of MREs, waiting for this to go by, helping out uh, uh, your compatriot, you know, uh, out of the bag and, and tending to his wounds, that more than once she could see her licking her lips as you were feeding your face. Oh, my. You deduce from this that it's hard, someone who's hungry, to watch somebody else eating. Is that what you're going to do, Eric? You're going to try to slip some kind of a sensor or something? Yeah, sure. I could take one of my uh, chem light sticks, for example, and put it inside one of the environmental suit boots, and when it goes down, it comes back up, see if it still survives inside the boot. Honestly, there's no point putting a camera in there. We can just put some, like, paper in with the thing, and if the paper burns up, then we know that... That's an excellent idea. Yeah. A number of materials that you know what their flash points are and see if which of them survive. That's something you could ask them later to tell you. I have a thought. A match. The flash point of a match is not as high as the flash point of paper. You mean it's lower? Yes, it's lower. Okay. (laughs) If you put the match in there with the paper, wouldn't the match set off the paper when it went off? Yes, but that tells us how, how hot it was. Tells us if it got to the point to set off the match. Yes. Set hot, then we're not going to survive. What about the uh, DVD? Okay. Put that in the basket and I guess try to purify it. Actually, you know what? I'm going to put my entire environmental suit in that basket. I'm sorry? I'm going to put my entire environmental suit in that basket. If it survives, then I have something to put on where. <laughs> okay. I may have to stand in the basket to do it because I have a feeling that I can't touch anything impure when I'm putting it on. All right. Well, no, the outside has to stay pure. The inside could be impure because it's holding your impurity away from the Holy of Holies. No, no, but I, I can't stand on this ledge we're on putting it on. I have to stand inside the basket to put it on. Yeah, because you're standing on not holy ground. You know what I'm saying? Basically, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. And if the environmental suit touches the, the ground, it becomes impure. Yeah, because it appear again. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, so you're going to put your entire environmental suit in a basket, and you're going to ask them to go purify it. Yes. Okay. We're going to put a piece of paper in there, too, at least. A bunch of different things is what yeah. you're saying. Okay? All right. So they do that. They take off. Okay. Ask we can have the complete basket back. All right. Just put it in the suit anyway. We'll have the suit back. All right. Yeah. The day drags on. Night begins to fall, and as night falls... Well, our equipment would have recharged before... Oh, yeah. It's all recharged. So as night falls... Do you want to do something before night falls, John? Well, I was going to suggest if we want the whole show them idea, the video. Yeah, the laptop and put in the IDEP video and say, here, we've got this. And we've got to narrate it ourselves, though, because there's no Esperanto oh, soundtrack. Oh, well, yeah. But the main thing is they'll see the images. Let's also take a look at the images, because if there's anything aquatic or oceanic in there... That's going to mark us as in league with the dragon, and we're done. And it starts out with a big picture of the Earth and water everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> One thing we can do is we can look up Brie de June and see if there's anything sounding similar in history. Mm. I don't know. You want to look it up on Wikipedia? Well, no. We'd be looking it up in some database of soundalikes. It would be... It would be no, it wouldn't be something you'd find on Wikipedia. It would be... Well, then we don't have it. The one thing that's going to be a problem for this is the brightness of the sun. The, the tropical sun, it basically, you can't see it in daytime. Now, maybe okay, at so nighttime, yeah. you might be able to show that. That's fine. What you need to do is put a blanket over your head. Well, you wouldn't be able to show them. Um, you know, sh- your, your audience is 20 feet away from you. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, so you have to wait till night time. And so she's going to be looking at a, what, 11, 11-inch screen 20 feet away? Well, actually, the one way of doing it is to actually put in the basket running so that she, they can be hauled up and she can watch it in the basket and not touch it. That's possible. That's an interesting thought. But we need to see it in order to narrate it, though. See, nobody's ever tried to do this, is the thing. They're not going to think of anything like this. You're going to have to think of it because to them, it's like stuff goes in the basket. It then goes and gets purified. No one sits around and looks at it beforehand. It works if my suit comes back. Then I can go up there and do the narration. So are we we're ready in the volcano crater that they use to purify things? No, you're on the side of the mountain. Okay. What's the benefit of showing them the video? What do we get out of that? Well, Rick, they wanted to know the place that we come Sizzle. from. They've already accepted us as not a pus agent, not no. necessarily impure. What else do we need to get there? And it also might facilitate trade. Well, the fact that you appear out of nowhere is a pretty miraculous thing. But the fact that you don't know who Bria June is, clearly you're not from heaven. So they're in a bad situation of trying to figure out a new place in their cosmology. (laughs) Right. And we're trying to help them fit us in some place where we can work and interact with them. Now, the next question is, what do we want from them? Okay. We know they're a market for food. We know they're a market for consumer goods. We want the crystal if it's a crystal. Well, also, one of those staffs, long spear staffs, would be very nice. So, do we want to try to talk with them about whether or not we could bring back a cartload of vegetables or a cartload of food in exchange for some of the crystals off the top of their purification cage? Now, there's only a crystal, right? No. There's all kinds of... I mean, the one that actually lit up. We don't know. He's hypothesizing that there's a single crystal. He thinks there's a single crystal. Okay, so there's a lot of crystals in general, but the only one that seems strange and that lit up when we approached is that single crystal. means that what else would have to be up there for us to find it, because otherwise it wouldn't glow and they would think it to be the same as everything else. And it is possible for all we know, it could have just been some kind of way the sun was hitting the crystal and we just saw right some kind of reflection. But that's not what Kigiri told you. They also have these high-tech stats. He thought that there was something there. Mm -hmm. That's correct. And since you live in a world where crystals glow... Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So as the sun begins to set, you begin to hear a chanting. It swells to a great volume, in which you can really tell that there's probably a couple thousand voices you're hearing, if not more. Okay. You notice that it seems to reach its climax just as the sun touches the ocean, at which point there's a big cheer, it gets quieter, and then you just kind of hear a hubbub going on. About two hours after that, Bari comes back with this basket with some other people that are helping her. After a few hours, your guards get changed out. So they're never there more than about two or three hours at a time. So it was different outside. Guards. You can tell they're different by their masks and things like that. The ones that are down below with you, they eventually do finally go and climb up. They go through this whole elaborate this vesture where they take off this outer garment and they unwrap this until finally they, they get unwrapped down to the point where they're wearing less. And then someone up there hands them a mask, which they put over their face after divesting their gloves and stuff. And you realize they're all very skinny. They're tall and very skinny. You can definitely see the ribs. But after they put on all this armor and stuff like that, then they're all look much bulkier than they were before. 
look about half as big as after they take off all this stuff that was on top of them. Yeah. And you can also tell that a good couple inches, if not six inches of their height, is actually from the mask itself, the head dress that they put on. It makes them look bigger, more fearsome. And then they actually step out onto a cloth that's up there, and then they take all this stuff off, and they put it all into a big basket that's on the cloth with them, and then they take the basket away, and then they, at some point they step onto another cloth where they finally you know, can get out of wrappings. They kind of lay things out around them in a big circle, and then they step from that to another thing. Mm-hmm. It's elaborate. I don't want to go into it, but the point is it's clear that they, they have a big ritual, and it's not just a ritual. It's actually very so obvious that. that there's no chance that anything that has touched the outside world is not insulated from the very ground itself by something that's been purified. So you basically have to do the reverse of that ritual. Right. By watching this, you realize that it is possible for something to be there and come in and then divest itself of tainted material. But, of course, your problem is, the, is kind of the opposite, which is you want to wrap your impurity, your non-sanctified, non, non-purified self in something that is pure so that you can walk amongst them. And that's kind of what you're going for. So she comes back and she lowers down the basket of your stuff. Well, the gifts you can keep. Right, okay. The gifts, of course, she kept, but it's the stuff that I want to put on. The environmental suit is intact. The match, did it go off? Yes, the match did go off, mm. but the paper did not burn. I'm guessing. I don't know what the actual touch point of the match is. But the point is, is that by looking at the material that was there, yeah. you notice that all your water has boiled out. And some things that were made out of soft plastics, like the CD like and, you know, and chem lights, they all burst. However, your environmental suits did survive. Yeah. I mean, they could take the heat. And a, and a lot of other material, like you know, liners and things like that, well, we could be are fine. If you baked inside without any additional materials to keep you safe inside, then you would die. So I try to let her know that I actually want to do the reverse of what their computers have been doing. I actually want to go up and get dressed in this because it's now purified. I'm not even touching. I'm staying away from it. No, you have to touch it. I'm just looking at this from a look. You examined it. I have to touch it. That's the whole point. Unfortunately, okay. yeah. And now it's impure again. So now they have to be purified again? Yes. Mm-hmm. Have to be purified again if you want to do this. Besides which, she can't give you a yes or a no. Remember, that some decisions have to be made by the high priest. Basically, I explained to her that we would like to visit up there, but we know we can't touch anything, so we could put these suits on to basically become, at least our suits would be pure, and we'd be unable to touch up there walk around and see. Perhaps bring more gifts, sending out another pack of MREs. Well, you know that the MREs themselves are going to be destroyed, though the food inside will probably cook. But the food could be given to the people on the outside who are eating impure stuff. Yeah. That's true. The impure could, could benefit from that. they're the ones that. who need the food anyway. Everybody needs food on this island. Yeah. These are sea rats. The sea rats were in cans, and they actually probably would survive better than the MREs. We could go back to Hatsumi base and get a pallet of canned stew and keep them alive for a while. The problem is... Oh, they are staying alive. They're just not staying alive well. Yeah. We could probably enhance their lifestyle, let's put it that way. The thing is to convince them that they have something we want to trade for. I come from a place where we went through a famine, and and I can tell you right from, from get-go, just giving them food is no good. Help them self-sustaining. You gotta help them grow more food. 
than what they're growing right now. Trouble is, they're already at capacity for their current technology. Right. We better off giving them fertilizer. They're limited by their worldview. We could bring in food from the outside that hasn't touched anything from the outside or from the dragon and maybe claim that as being pure. Problem is, as long as they limit themselves to their holy of holies, they're going to be stuck in that position because their population is always going to outgrow their carrying capacity, their ability to grow food. And doing like most people do would start sacrificing people. It's going to be bad, bad news. Right. And we want to try to find a way to break that pattern. Right now, we can't really do it. Not challenging their worldview too hard. It looks like Gari's test was a success. You might not be able to survive going down into the volcano, but you, your suit will survive. And if you can convince them that this is something that you could wear that would therefore insulate you, your unholiness, impurity from right. the island and not actually touch the holy with anything other than purified materials, that you should be able, therefore, to come up onto the top and go amongst them with proper supervision. Okay, let's see if we can propose that to the high priest. All right, the next morning, since this is going to take all night. Who's got the best diplomacy skill? Well, we all pull out our character sheets and look at them, just like we'd really do if we were in this kind of a situation. Yeah, I have a plus three in diplomacy. I got a plus one. I have a negative two. <laughs> negative two. All right. So I don't think we'll be talking to anyone anytime soon. A one. Soon. You got a one? What does May have? May has Julianne Moore's face in a plus 10. Whoa. <laughs> that, yeah. Okay, you're the talker. Butter wouldn't melt in her mouth. <laughs> All right, the next morning, you ask to speak to the high priest after efficiently long enough uh -huh. period of time for him to establish that, yes, you are waiting on him and not he running to your command. He shows up with his entourage. Yep, go ahead. Says, why have you requested me to come and speak to you again? Why are you still here? Um, we have a proposal. My companion, Mr. Kigiri, noticed something inside your home area that may be of great interest to us. We'd like to propose a method by which we might be able to visit you without touching your Holy of Holies to explore that. <gasps> There's a gasp amongst the priests. Oh, no. They're both shocked and bristling at the same time. But the high priest leans over and says, go on. But we noticed that you spared Mr. Kigiri because he was fortunate enough to have been insulated by the fabric that you wrapped him in. Last night, we sent one of our protective suits I hold it up. through your purification process, and the suit survived it meaning that it is capable of being purified, which is a great favor to us from Reed uh, you I see Mari's influence in this, and he looks over her, <laughs> who's there going, Who, me? <laughs> Hi! <laughs> Big smile on her face. I knew you wouldn't want to leave any stone unturned in seeking out the will of Reed It was all within the procedures. Your worship, uh, your worship, we do have many things which uh, we feel could help the followers of Brie de June. Like in those metal pots and pans we gave her. <laughs> For us, metal is relatively easy to come by. For us, food is relatively easy to come by, and we are willing to share. So what is your proposal? We would like 
to purify our suits and then dress in them to protect your holy of holies from us and then explore a specific area which may contain an object of great value to us. In exchange, what sort of objects would make life easier for you here? What do you need to make life among the chosen of Brie de June better? I stage whisper and it survives purification. He says to you, if you can demonstrate that you can, in fact, so contain your vileness, your impurity, that you can actually walk amongst the holy without touching the holy, which is punishable by death. We will have opportunity to discuss such things. I put on the suit. Okay, well, that's not going to work. Because it's touched it. Yeah, we already touched it. you, you got to purify it again now. No, but showing that it completely covers my body. Yeah, okay, fine. It completely covers your body. But the point is, is that as you put it on, you had your hands all over it. You defile it, okay. The inside and the outside. Yeah, well, that's good to know. The people who are purified help you into it. Lay it out very carefully so you can manage to do this. Wait a second. Could we not wear, and I point to the two guards, what they were after being purified? Different idea. We send a pair of gloves to be purified so that an unpure person well, I can wear them I said, I said, I said, and then help him on with the suit. What makes it hard about this is, is that it doesn't matter if you're wearing partially purified things. If that thing touches the impure, then it has to be discarded. We're having a problem in defining what is and isn't impure. We well, don't we know how these guys get wrapped up. They often get wrapped up before they come down, correct? Right. That's right. They get wrapped up before they come down. We basically go through the process. We, I say we got to wear what they're wearing. We basically go through the process of being wrapped. Reverse the guard process. Yes. We get wrapped up because we can no longer touch anything. You could try that. It'd be very hard. You'd take a lot of trial and error. What you could try to do instead is to try to open up your suit and try to put it on without actually touching the outside at any point. Like people put on gloves in surgical hospitals. Mm. Okay, I guess I get that part. That part is easy. Uh, one of us helps him turn it inside out. We're touching the outside. Put it on him without touching the inside. You're touching of it. it. You're touching it. You're touching it. They would have to turn it inside out, sort of inside out for you. And then you guys could help him put it on as long as you only touched the impure parts of the suit. That's what I meant. We have to touch the inside because the inside is touching you and that's impure. We can't touch the outside at all until you get some practice. It's going to take some practice to do this. Work work through it. You can zip it up from the inside. I can zip it. Once I get my hands into gloves, I can then zip it up. You can't touch anything on the inside of the suit. Yeah, so try it from an inside out. Right. I can't touch anything on the outside of the suit. That's just how I want. I can't touch the outside of the suit. And the outside of the suit can't touch anything else until you're standing on the holy holy. All I can do is up there on a piece of cloth. So I got to do it up there with their help, not your help. That's the problem. Right. Right. No, this is just to run through to demonstrate that it can be done. It'll have to be purified again. I have to practice this because I think we're not going to get... He's going to be patient enough to wait wait for us while we spend a half hour figuring out how to do it without touching something. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you'll, you'll probably spend a good half day practicing this. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. Keep doing it while we figure out what they might want. Bruce, did I gain another level in health last night? Yes. You'll gain 
At least your level, yeah. He's being tended by somebody with treat injury, so wouldn't that have an improvement? Yeah, there's there's something in there about you know receiving long term care. Uh, yeah, I think this we count as competent care, which would give a circumstance bonus. I'll look it up. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, I think I'll, if he's right. in a hospital, take getting dedicated care, it doubles it doubles his level. Right. So you, so you guys go and spend you know half a day practicing this maneuver. You know, maybe even sewing strips and things, you know, handholds or whatever into the liner of your suits. Okay. Try to work this out. All right. Trying to figure out how to best curl the suit so that as much of the inside is exposed as possible so that you can grab it and, okay. and get your feet inside and your head inside and then just kind of let it curl back around you so that you can get your arms inside and then zip uh-huh. it up. So that at no point are you actually touching the inside, nor is the outside ever touching you. Take pictures of the process and take pictures of the area. Ask them if they mind if I took their picture. They don't know what you're doing. Okay. So, you know, we have two guards standing there. Do, have we been treating them as two statues or have we been talking to them? You, you have never told me that you wanted to talk to the guards, so no, you have not been talking to them. If they want to join in the conversation, right. they're welcome. We're not going to be hostile to them. When we're talking amongst ourselves, we do get kind of quiet. I don't want to give away to the guards that I think the idea of pure and impure is bull. <laughs> does not actually exist. At least not in their language. <laughs> I understand that. However, they, as you say, they, they are very uh, much believers of such things. So much so that they have two entirely other groups of their people they can never have any real interaction with because of this. So it's very real to them. Right. We don't want to antagonize them. We want to respect their opinion without necessarily letting them know that we're not in agreement with it. So you spend a good half day working on this. Any of you guys have an escape artist skill? I have. You do a take 10, add that to it. You get a plus two for basically being very practiced at it. Didn't someone else have a plus seven? Oh, yeah, I have a plus seven. Well, then let him do it. Okay. And you guys can assist. I'll let three of you guys attempt to assist. I do. So. I do. <laughs> I do. At plus one. That would be 19 plus the assists. Uh, 15, is that assist? Yes, anything that's over a 10. That's a 13 total. Okay, well, he assisted. Okay, okay, John assisted. Yeah, let him do it. All right, so whoever had that 19, yeah. you are currently standing in a low basket with your suit entirely on. Okay. Okay. Ken's character. Yeah, that, that's Gordon. 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 Okay. Uh, we're having, we're we're trusting Gordon. This, this is this okay. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Just go see yeah. if you can make that uh, that jewel glow, Gordon. I'll give it a try. I got uh, so. Ooh, I got twenty. Okay, then you're successful as well. Right on. Take take a ten assisting him. Uh, take a 10 for uh, May if she can do it. That winds up with a total of 13 plus any assistance. That's probably not going to work. You're going to have to make a roll. You got to roll. Yeah. Okay, then <laughs> I will roll. No! May almost falls off the ledge. She rolled. <laughs> All right. That means that May's suit has been soiled and will have to be repurified. Yeah. Repurified. Okay. Yeah. Don't even put it in the basket with me and Gordon. We're pure, and the inside of that basket is pure. Don't put it anywhere near us. 
You gotta wait for the next basket. I got your purification process. <laughs> you wait till we get back to Atsumi based on this decontamination time. <laughs> okay. Here, I'll right. try. I'm gonna use an action point. Oh, hey! Someone decided he's an action point! Yay! Wait, do I have to roll though? <laughs> you have to roll the action point, of course, but. It adds a plus six, doesn't it? You can take ten, but the action points you have to roll. Okay, all right, because I have a three. And so if I take ten, I'll get, give me a thirteen. Okay, that would be a 13. Plus any assist. Plus any assistance. So that would be, uh, uh, if three people uh, three people successfully assist you, then that would be a uh, 19. And then your action point, you'd only have to roll one on it. So the question is, can all three people assist you? Okay. I have a seven in it, so I guess I did assist. A seven in a what? Plus four. Seven. Seven plus four is eleven. Oh, okay. You said you yeah. Assisted. Okay. I was usually it's just a, I wasn't thinking about you adding your escape bars in, but yes, you can use your escape bars for this. Yes. And what else are you gonna do, it, John? Yeah. All right. One. Oh, no, he doesn't assist. Okay. And then uh, someone else can assist. May takes a ten to get a thirteen to assist. No. No. no you just you just have you have to roll a die for this. Okay. Roll a die. You can add your escape uh, first if you have it. That's a three. You roll what? That's a four. Oh, no, you didn't. Make All right, that. so that means that you need to still make up what? Um, you had a 13, 15. You need to roll five or six oh. on your die, on your action point. And that's probably not going to happen. Well, let's find out. That's what the dice are all about. D6, so give it a try. It's a six. That's a six. Okay. It's got a six. Okay. Yay. All right. Yeah. So who else is going to try? Okay. What do you have in it? Uh, I have zero. So you have zero. So you can straight roll. Okay. Yeah. So you, I don't think you can we, make we, it. We're still going to try to assist, but yeah, you can still try assist, but you have no bonus. You have no dex, right? Uh, no. I don't. Okay, I assisted. No, I right. So go ahead, try to roll high, John. I assisted. You're going to have to make a do, use an action point in order to make. Oh, yeah. I would. I would definitely yeah. use an action point. Mm -hmm. This is definitely the time to use an action. Point. I rolled. I rolled the ten to assist. Uh, oh, 19. Well, all you have to do is roll one, John. And plus, I assisted, so. Two. Yeah, he there. made it. Okay, John made it. <laughs> so we got four of us. Yay. So only poor May so far has failed the roll. Now, because you guys have all your equipment, you know, working again, because you charged, uh, did any of you guys bring any kind of cameras that could be used remotely? No. No. Yeah. Well, actually, I'm sure one of you did if someone wants to use an equipment token. I'm, that's what I was thinking about, Dan. Oh, yeah, you mean like a wireless webcam to watch the laptop? I'm yes, the exactly. Yeah, go ahead. I'm the tech with that. Well, I'll go ahead and use the equipment token to say I Okay, so John says, says, don't worry. He says, I have a camera mounted inside my helmet that I didn't tell you about. <laughs> okay. We have walkie-talkies. Well, yeah, just but if she can see as well yes. as hear, then even though poor May is stuck here on the ledge, she can still be part of, of the rest of the adventure. Yeah. Which is really a good thing to happen. And the camera survived purification, so that's good news. Well, actually, no, it's just on the inside with on his head. Ah. See, his head isn't pure either. <laughs> we all know that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so May's getting a point of view through the lens of his visor. Right. <laughs> all right. So, okay, so you guys all got your equipment on, and, and what happens is, of course, you're all standing in your little baskets, and they lower down a rope with a handle on it, and you grab onto it with your purified gloves, and they lift you up over and onto the holy. Da-da-da! 
Lots of stirring music should be playing right now, but you know so it, the it doesn't shape. actually seem to be that exciting when it actually happens. <laughs> but you do feel a great sense of satisfaction that you were finally able to overcome these uh, edicts against you, that you're actually able to stand someplace where probably a whole generation of people down below, the fisher folk and the apostates, have not been able to do. It's searching. And we all saw Darth Vader. <laughs> Look around. I'm Darth Vader from Planet Vulcan. Looking around, the guards have made a big perimeter. There's lots and lots of people there because they want to see what's going on. Even though the guards keep barking at them saying, get back to your work, you've got things to do. This is priest business. This isn't any of your concern. Uh-huh. Of course, Mari's staying there very smugly talking to all of them and passing messages back and forth because she uh, definitely appears to be the people's advocate. At least they, she can't be excluded from anything, okay? So, and she says, it's okay. I'll tell you everything. Don't worry. Go check out the purification cage. However, it, it doesn't keep people from leaving and being immediately replaced by new faces. So they're all looking at you. And one people says, well, that's not very scary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he says, they're kind of dull, don't you think? How's he supposed to scare the dragon with a mask like that? Yeah, yeah. You know, he, you know if you just you know, drew a, like a, a big bear, you know, like some fangs on the sides or something like that, you know? They said, I'll, I'll draw a beard so we're from the mirror universe. Right. Hey, mister, can I come over and, and draw a mean face on your mask? Uh, we won't be able to see very well if you did that. One of the guards says, well, the high priest may decide that they're not as pure as we might have hoped. We'd sure hate to have to send you down into the volcano along with them. <gasps> Such a sudden breath and the little kid runs away. That's <laughs> awful. All right, so you are up. You look around. You can see that there are great stands of bamboo growing. You see all kinds of crops. Everywhere there's crops. And you see, looking now all the way across this thing, you can see that there are little holes everywhere. Like they've actually dug into the surface of the caldera. And that they probably live in underground caves coming out to tend their crops over top of them. They're basically living in earth-burned houses. And then, of course, we do see the palace, though, off by the caldera, off of the, the, the active uh, crater, though, right? I'm sorry? There's that palace area? Yeah, that's far in the distance. You probably can't even see it from where you are right now because of the stands of bamboo and things like that. However, in the distance, you probably can still see a smudge uh, in the sky of the, the great upwelling from the volcano. So off you trot in that direction, right? Is this nighttime or daytime? Oh, it's daytime. It's more... You, you think you tried to put on those suits in the nighttime? No. No, believe me, you, everything okay. that happened to you, the, your entire process, steely-eyed guards were watching every possible thing to make sure that no time did anything you know, untoward happen, that you violated the purity of the outside of your suits. We probably had extra guards down there watching us. <laughs> they were watching every possible direction they could, yes. Yeah. So you feel confident and they feel confident because if you didn't, they would have told you to do it again. Yeah. So leaving your poor comrade behind, though she will be with you in, in telepresence. Yeah. <laughs> and recording everything we were seeing. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> So you take off toward the palace. They refer to it as the sanctuary. Uh, sanctuary. 
Mari. Mari says that's the place where our forefathers were sheltered against the power of heavens. Okay, as we approach it, what does it look like? It must follow some sort of architectural style or something. Considering it was designed to keep the elements out, it's kind of blank face with a lot of openings like doorways but no windows. And there's a big wide area, goes right down into the volcano. That's where they've attached this big cage. You know, it looks like it was part of it, like the cage was important. Mm-hmm. There's a cable that's attached to it that goes to holy system. For lowering it down. It's possible. You want to ask her about the cable? And that's pretty almost all their metal making that cable too, isn't it? Right. It's going to be made out of metal because, I don't know, hemp would not last long. Right. There's a big, huge spool yeah. which has this metal cable. It goes up and over a metal stanchion and down. And you can see the cage hanging there in the open between two big pillars where there's a, clearly a door that can be opened and things placed inside. How far are we from the place where the crystal might be? That's the place we're talking about. You can see it in the distance. You're getting closer to it and you're heading toward the actual sanctuary. You get to the edge of it, of the sanctuary part, and they try to lead to one of the openings. Lauren, just a second, please. What is it that you wish? I want to look at something. What do you want to look at? I look at the crystal and I say, there. You wish to look at the purification vessel? No, the, the crystals on top of it. Yeah, it's, it's part of the whole top of the, the caves that gets lowered down. Is this, right. is this very ornate headpiece thing. Right, I wish to look on top of it. Well, go ahead and look. I, I look. I approach it. Okay. Does any crystal glow? When you get to be about 30 feet away, then make a perception check. What about us? Uh, you going with him? 14. Oh. What? 14. I mean, do you want to go with him? I mean, one um, at a time we should do it. Yeah, one at a time probably. You mean a spot? 14. Yes. Spot. Yes, there's definitely a violet glow that suddenly blooms in the heart of these crystals. Okay, from what I know... But again, this is bright sunlight, and it occurs to you that probably it couldn't be seen from more than maybe 20 feet away, 30 feet uh, at the most. First of all, I asked one of the guards, can you hold, like, something over it? In fact, we could pull our hands over it just to put it in shade. So that's a little more obvious. Okay. Oh, no, all right. Just wait until after dark. And dusk. second, okay. I know that it's possible to concentrate on a crystal and use it. Is it possible to concentrate and make it glow brighter? And if so, I'd like to try to do that. Ooh, crystal use. Yes, I have crystal use. <laughs> Not a very high, but let's try it. Maybe try to evoke a power like find Fringeworthy. Do you really want the guards to see this? Well, maybe not. But anyway, I'll just I'll just do it so that we can see it ourselves. If you want all the other people to come over there, the guards are to come with them. Okay, you just well, kind of said, I want to run over here and check this out. And they said, okay. They just kind of stood there and let you do that. Okay, well. I well, mean, what's the worst going to happen? You're going to go over there and throw yourself off the cliff? From what I know about crystals, can I make it do? It's the crystal that we want. We're going to have to tell them that we want it at some point. That's where the negotiation starts. Uh, that's where the head cutting starts. But <laughs> really, are you sure? Do, how do you know that? How do you know that, John? I don't know. I mean, it's 
it, it, here's the purification chamber with all these crystals on top, and they're when one of them then glows. Yeah. Uh, it's like going in and saying, oh, uh, uh, your majesty, your crown jewels, we like that little gem over there off your crown jewels. What do you think is going to happen? <laughs> crown jewels have been used as collateral for loans before. Okay, probably more quickly going into the Vatican and pointing out a few objects of art and asking for... How do you know that, John? We don't, but is this a religion? Is this their purification chamber? This is the thing they put How down... How are you going to find out? Yeah, only to find out is ask. You're right. Well, another point to consider, perhaps, is if we can let them see that we control it glowing. When we go near, we cause it to glow. That may let give them proof to trust us more that we are special people in some regard. Ooh, it might. Anyway, I'm going to concentrate and. What can I make crystals do with crystal use? Can I make them glow more? And are there other things that I could do that would be visible? There's the light, the light power. And there's almost nothing that you can do that doesn't require you actually touching it. Yeah, you have to hold the crystal in your hand. If it's a fringe-worthy type crystal, it lights up when you come near it. But everything else requires you actually touching it. Oh, so I can't do crystal use then? Not without touching it. We know the thing's there. we got to decide what to do now. All right. It seems to flow when I approach. Have one of our other party members approach and see what it does. Again, does that Which use a glow? Which one wants to do it? I'll try. Okay. So uh, Bajoran's going to walk over to them. I've got a nine in crystal use. It has nothing to do with it. You're trying to make a perception oh, right. check, John. Okay, that's sufficient, John. Okay. You'll be able to see that, indeed, once you reach a certain point away from it, that there will, in fact, see a violet uh, glowing spot inside that elaborate headpiece on the top of the purification chamber. Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, looks an awful lot like a gilded cage, okay, except it's made out of steel and not made out of gold. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I asked one of the guards next to me, so who made the chamber? According to our legends, they were made by the gods themselves, that this place was prepared for us. Ah. Uh, is there a description of your gods? What? What, what? what do they look like? They look like you or me, or are you more godlike? Only Brie de June has ever seen the gods face to face, for he resides with them now. Uh, but we know they were powerful, for they destroyed the minions of the dragon. Yeah. And there's no way from here where we're standing to see that glow, right? You may want to go ahead and look at the rest of the palace. They currently can't see it. They're too far away. In broad daylight. Now, of course, if it was nighttime, I'm sure they could see it everywhere. We should, yeah. If we want to show them, we can show them. We can just, you know, hold, shade it. We might as well just go to the palace. Yeah, let's go to the palace. All right, so you go inside. And look around and see if anything else flows. Sure. You go inside you notice that passageways turn back and forth as soon as you go in. Like they're using the passageways themselves as a natural break from wind and other things like that reaching the inside of the chamber. You also notice that, that the passageway slopes upwards slightly. And then you come into a large chamber, and in that chamber 
There's all kinds of murals on the sides and the floor is etched with scenes and things like that. It's all very elaborate. It's, it looks like a very much of a ceremonial type chamber. Yet at the same time, since you are bringing brought to it, it clearly it is not the holiest of holies. So it, you just get the impression that you're going into essentially what would be the equivalent of the emperor's court, the receiving chamber for the high priests. Make a history check. I don't have history. I'm pointing at you as in the party. Anyone who has knowledge history? Not me. Me has uh, knowledge history. I'm rolling now. Somebody point the webcam at the bureaus. 17. 17, okay. Uh, okay. All right, that's a 19. Between the two of you, you determine that there seems to be one location that seems to be a place, you know, for one person, and then there's another location for someone else to stand that's on the outside of this circle. And then on the inside of the circle, there's a place with a lot of scuff marks in the KNU that has been well used for probably things of interest. And then around the outside is apparently where more scuff marks and things like that show that, that there was probably a large crowd. So in your estimation, this looks like a place where big pronouncements would have been made that not necessarily would be for everyone's hearing, because if that was the case, they would have done it out there on the volcano. This might be a place where certain ceremonies are done, where things of importance happen, where discussions were made amongst interested party. But there was definitely two places of honor in particular in this room. And as you walk in, you see that one of those places, you see the high priest uh, standing. As you are there, you see Mari walk around and take her position in the other of the high places of importance. At which point, okay. the high priest raises his arms and he says, I, high priest, as our fathers before us, stand under the covering provided by the gods through the kindness of Brie de June. I stand for the holy. I am the protector of the holy. I am the sword arm of the power of Brie de June against the power of the dragon. At which point Mari starts to intone and she says, I am the advocate. I stand for the weak. I stand for the just, yet not always the wise. I stand for mercy. I stand for those who have no voice. I stand for those whose life have merited more than they have received. Would the petitioners please come forward and stand in the center? Guess that's us. That's you. Yep. Yes. All right. The high priest then looks at you and he says, this conclave is in session. That which is decided here will be not only for now, but for our children and our children's children. Let no one take these proceedings lightly, for that would be to profane the holy. <gasps> Everyone says in a gasp. But it's also, it's also quite ritualistic. We have something to which we only barely have an understanding now. We have strangers among us. Strangers who are neither 
as far as we can tell, impure or apostate. Yet, they are not chosen. It is our job today to determine what is their state and how we can treat with them, if at all. Please tell us who you are and why you're here and what you wish from the chosen of Brijun. Who here has the best diplomacy? The person who's not with us. But May can speak the words and John, your character, can mouth them. Or any of you can. Actually, you're all on mic with her. I've been talking too much. You guys get to talk. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, Jay needs to do this. Uh, Jay needs to do this. Since he's doing the talking anyways, (laughs) we'll just assume that it's being relayed with whoever has the highest diplomacy skill, which actually is him. But who is the second highest? I got a one. Okay, Bjorn? Okay, so actually, Bjorn would be the one speaking, right? What's his? I have a three. I just have a one in diplomacy. Oh. Okay, so who has the highest diplomacy otherwise? Whoever has the three. That's me. You? Really? Yeah. I thought Bjorn had a ten. Let me see your character sheet, John. No, he has a one in in diplomacy. You got the ten. Okay. I guess I get to be the talker. Right, so it's not John, it's not you. It's either... Okay, Ken, what do you got? One. A one. Well, you guys are... (laughs) You guys really should have made those rolls to let poor, <laughs> poor maybe with you. <laughs> I guess my character with his three gets to be the one that does the. It's still going to be May speaking. All right. And May, you can take twenty. Oh, okay. You can take as long as you need. It'd take that twenty. Be as long-winded as you need to be in order to get this across. And John can also roll an action point. Yeah. Oh, okay. I would could use an action point for May on this one. I mean, John has to say it, too. He has to perform a bit. Yeah. I have to mouth the words, and not so like I'm actually mouthing the words. Right. I'm certainly going to automatically give you an assist on this to John. Okay. Since you're basically telling him everything he needs to say. So go ahead. Tell these people why they should treat with you. We have heard the story of how at one time people lived all over the sphere of this world. We've heard the story of how the dragon came from the ocean and poisoned everything, and how Brie de June led the Chosen here to safety. I tell you now that there are other spheres. There are other places where the dragon has not gone that have yet to feel the light of Brie de June. Ours is called the Earth, and that is where we have come from. We traveled long paths through someplace else, And we find spheres with people on them to see if we can make friends and trade for things. We earnestly wish to make friends with you. We earnestly wish to help you. For we have found in our travels and in our own history that allies are better to have than enemies. That friends are better to have than foes. We are willing to go to great lengths to attempt to make sure that our peoples can interact with each other in friendship and bring peace and hopefully prosperity to both sides of our relationship for now and for the future. Do you want to mention anything specifically you want to trade or to get? 
we have a good many things in our world. Our sphere, unpoisoned by the drag, a number of resources that we hope we can offer to you. We have metals, we have tools, we have food that we hope you can purify and for your own use. We also have knowledge of sciences and how life exists and how plants grow that perhaps we can help you grow better crops for yourselves. We have many things which can be of assistance just in everyday life here. And at this point, nudge Yui to show them a selection of images on the laptop. Did the laptop make it? No, the laptop couldn't make it. It couldn't be... Uh, Okay. The temperatures would catch fire and burn. <laughs> yes. Okay. I will demonstrate some of your own tools, especially some of the Amused Savages kit. Yeah. Well, the only thing you can demonstrate are the metal bowls and the knife that you sent through before. Because those are the only things that have been purified. I need to take a party sounding. Do we tell them that we want that violet crystal? I hope you've said that in English. All right. But I see that for later. Okay. Gonna have to tell them that we want it eventually, John. How do we phrase it? How do we go? Do they even know it's there? They may not. They may not have had anybody who's made it glow yet. Now, let's go ahead and tell them. Tell them Mm -hmm. that place on the beach where we can't seem to come out of thin air is a magic gate to that other space between worlds. Yep. That only a few people can come and go through those magic gates. Yeah, I tell them. There are keys to open the gates. We suspect that they have one on their purification cage. I tell them that. <laughs> that because we have this ability to move through the gates. Oh, yeah. The uh, keys, the magic crystals glow when we get near them. And we saw one glowing on the top of that purification cage. And we are willing to buy it from them. For lots well, of good stuff. Tra- trade with them, yeah. Trade. Yes. Big hubbub, bub, 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 bub when you do that. Yeah. Nyroll? <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> yeah. Make a diplomacy check. Can I assist him? Not without speaking. Well, he's actually assisting him, right? Right. Jay is assisting John. John has to make the roll. Okay. okay, I rolled a 26 to assist. Uh, what do I get for that? Uh, 26. Plus two. You get plus two. Plus two? Yeah, I'm definitely going to burn an action point, so I might as well roll that as they go along. Okay. Can I burn an action point for John's roll, too? No. Oh. And here it goes. And, oh, I rolled a six on the action points. I got a 14. So that's 20, 20... 23 plus the assist. 25. Well, that's a good roll. <sighs> he says, well... I don't know what to say. You want one of the ancient... This is something that was given to us by the gods themselves. You want us to give up part of that which has been given us by the gods? As far as the rest of it, it all sounds pretty good. We can talk. And to which Mari says, But wait, maybe it's always been planned. 
for that to be given to these people. <laughs> Maybe that has always been its destiny. We know that the keys were placed to be used. Yeah. These objects were not designed to be hidden away and never used for their intended purpose. Yes, it was clear to Mari, and you too, by the way, that he was winding up for a sacrilege uh, diatribe, a monotribe. Uh-huh. <laughs> so she was kind of heading it off. Well, he says, if that's the case, then it should be easily removable. If it has to be torn from the heart of that which the God has left us, I think not. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Can't argue that. <laughs> he probably glued it in. Just being one of us to go out in that cage and get it. Yep. Probably what we have to do is one of us gets close enough to the gloves and then one of them goes and actually gets it. Uh, no, I got that we got that. <laughs> okay, guys, you're up. He says, let us adjourn and see if there is anything more to be seen. Yeah. So show them the uh, glowing. So you guys go on out. They all stand outside. And as you approach it, it seems to glow. He turns to you guys and he says, well, show me. Show me that it's easily removable. That is the God's will that you receive it. It could also be the God's will just by the fact that it glows when we go near it. This is Skeletor's sword. You got to pull the sword from the stone. He looks at you and he says, there will be no mincing of the agreement that's been made. Go forth. Go fifth even. Who's going to do it? I only got 13 hit points. <laughs> I'll do it. Who's got the best constitution? Because that would mean you get the best rep. What? No, it's just it would be strength and dexterity to pull that thing out. I only have a 12. That would probably be me. Yeah, I, what's your dexterity? I have a dex of 16 and a strength of 15. Okay, I have a strength of 13 and a dex of 17. So you're better as far as bonuses go. I got a strength of 17 and a dex of 12. Who has a good use crystal roll there? I have a one in it. I got a four in it. I got a three. I got nine. You got a nine? What's your strength and what's your dex? Uh, I don't need any dex. Strength is 12. So one and a zero modifier. So it'd be either you or me, Cam. Yeah. Unless it's just crystal use, in which case it's him. Well, I don't think so. You have to decide. It'll be me then. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. You're up. What do I need for a strength, dex, crystal use, or what? You're going to need to climb up on top of the cage first. Right. Well, I have all the climb skills. Oh, you have all the climb skills. It's only about a DC-10 to climb. Unfortunately, you have to climb up on the outside of the cage in order to actually reach where the crystals are. But you said it's a DC-10, though. Well, it's a DC-10. You have to make a DC-10 roll, but you can't take 10. You can't take 10 because you if you fail, you're in trouble. You're going to fall. 
but also he could tie a rope to the stanchion and then to himself so as he does We don't have that. any purified ropes. All right. All right, go ahead. Ten. You climb out. You start climbing up it. Yes. As you climb up, all of a sudden you feel a lurch. Oh, crap. You all gasp as suddenly the cage starts reeling out. It's a tarp. Going down into the volcano. You look around wildly and you see the high priest standing there. Hey. Uh, and he says, we shall see if you have the blessing of Bridgeun or not. Get the crystal. That wasn't part of the agreement. While we're at it, though, can I get the crystal out? You can attempt to at least grab it. Grab it. Tell it to work. Yeah, I'm going to try to use crystal use and concentrate and make it do whatever crystals do. All right, go ahead. I mean, I'm actually touching it through. Try to pull it off. Through a glove. Yeah, go ahead. You can grab it. Why do I roll? You don't have to roll. You can just reach in and grab it. Does it come loose? It doesn't come loose just by grabbing it. Brie de June went down into the volcano. If he was using the key, then the key can open something down there that could save your ass. Use it. Take the crystal and concentrate and try to um, either reduce the temperature or open some door somewhere. Yeah, defense. Use defense. Defense, yeah. Okay, make your roll. Of what? Crystal use? Yes. Action points. Yeah. Ah. Couldn't hurt. Go ahead. Not any more than boiling out lava could hurt. Okay, 25. 25. Mm-hmm. Yay! Suddenly, there's a shimmering energy field around you. you beginning to feel baking through your suit. Suddenly vanishes. Mm. Okay. And you go down into the depths. After about a minute of travel, the thing lands onto a hard surface. Yes. And looking around through the uprising vapors that are all around you, you think that there might be something in the distance. Okay. But then there's a lurch, and the cage begins to rise again. And you rise up, and as you come up out of the tense heat, the field drops around you and and you're fine yay you live and as you rise up everyone's clapping and cheering Bridgeun has spoken he has the blessing and the priest is like really 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 happy he made it to that alive he's not a good priest for nothing He's thanking Brie DeJune along with everybody else. And Mari's beaming. And the rest of you look really, really, really happy. So you rise up and he says, Yay! You have the blessing. The crystal is yours. Come. Let our people treat with each other. And thus ends this session. Okay. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Jay. Keep it simple. The players are going to complicate it for you.
The Tri-Tech Podcast is protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial distribution or derivatives are allowed. The Tri-Tech Podcast is wholly owned by Tri-Tech Games. Visit us at www.tritechgamers.com or on Facebook. Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.